Ahoy there, it's me, your old pal, Cowboy Kevin. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Adam Sierra Podcast. It's only myself and Master Billy Cable going back into the Raw Roulade and checking out another episode featuring everyone's favorite soon-to-be-deleted character from the Peacock Network. It's only bloody Eugene Brackett's Nick Dinsmore. A quick little heads up at the start of this. There were some slight audio distortions on Billy's end when recording this podcast. For the most part, it sounds fine, but just in advance to let you know that there may be some slight issues at some points when you're listening back to this but on the brighter side of things i can officially announce that we will be recording together sooner than you'd think in the meanwhile you can support us over patreon.com forward slash ae podcast to get access to over 100 pieces of exclusive content available just for the backers over there that's patreon.com slash ae podcast it's what makes our show 100 percent fan and listener supported and yes we will be recording together soon but in the meanwhile, to tide you over, here's me and Billy, and we're looking at some more of that sweet ass Eugene Raw. And it's not just Eugene, it's Eugene Part 2 Gene. Hello once again, it's me, your old pal, Cowboy Kevin, joined as I am always in these random Raw reviews. A lot of people think we're doing ruthless aggression because of this. It just happens to fall in there. It's fine. But a man who's no doubt ruthless in his aggression, his aggressive love of this era, the baddest man on the planet, Billy Keeble. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you doing? I'm very, very well. How are you doing today? We're back one time, two times a Eugene. Oh yeah, I can't, cannot wait. This is an episode of Raw that I very much remembered fondly when I was younger. Yes. And yeah, this was a standout one for sure. And uh, I, I, I can't say I'm disappointed in rewatching it. No, it was both exactly how I remembered it, but in ways said a lot about me i guess as a person yeah. in that it was it seemed very different in 2021 we had obviously a bit of a time where a couple of months back when we did our first eugene episode were there any kind of things that stood out to you as being like okay this is eugene the character as i remembered it versus eugene the character as he definitely was in 2004 i think it's hard to say because it was his debut and they were still yeah. ironing out the kinks this I think this the Eugene that's in this episode. I think is the Eugene I remember the most. You know, the he's a face that doesn't know he's been manipulated by the heels. It's it doesn't say a lot that your very strongest memory of this, and to put it mildly, controversial character. Yes, is people taking advantage of his innocent nature. Yes. The, the, they're the key things I remember. Is is the whole angle with evolution. And when they got the Spirit Squad to just, like, beat him up for a really long time, that was very much an uncomfortable thing. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, that first episode with Eugene, because it was the debut and it was that kind of prototypical Eugene, mm. and a lot of the feedback we got from, from fans from that episode was that, like, yeah, similarly, we were kind of shocked at how kind of dialed back he was in some respects, but also how kind of, like, I don't know, 
baked in the problems are with this character because I think Eugene, it definitely came across to me from listening to fan feedback. He's definitely a reflection of the bullshit that was on TV at the time. Although, because it's WWE, it's probably more of a reflection of the bullshit that was on TV and in movies 10 years prior yes. to that. So, yeah, we are going to hopefully today, while going through this, try and come up with some closing thoughts on Eugene. But I think this is definitely a character which is very much the... The already warm glass of milk on the windowsill on a hot summer's day, Billy. It's starting to stink already in terms of fans' memories of Eugene. Case in point, Eugene WWE garners such few responses on WWE's official YouTube channel mm. that is, uh, if there wasn't Nick Dinsmore out there trying to make money off this gimmick still, he would fade to darkness forever, it would seem. Well, Peacock is definitely going to get rid of all of it. <laughs> yeah this officially your home of eugene now are these couple of episodes yeah. that me and billy are doing because it'll seem like it's never existed in a few years so here we are bill it's 2004 and we're only three months after the last episode as well we're in winnipeg manitoba canada and i was rubbing my hands together hoping to see how the career of that hot young prospect shelton benjamin was coming on well He's not here tonight, folks. What happened? I thought he, he beat Triple H, though. What happened? I don't know. I can't remember. He's just gone. Oh, it's 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 kind of sad because I wrote down here, lol, I bet he's Intercontinental Champion or something shit like that. If only. Yeah. <laughs> so we open up like we did last time with our general manager graphic. But Bill, there's a spanner in the works tonight in Canada. Yeah, so in, if you remember last time, we had the, the Firefly family version of Eric Bischoff starting us off. <laughs> and instead we had Eugene this time and the pop. He got a pop. There was a decent pop just just for a little two second image of Eugene. I can't for the life of me figure this out because there are times tonight where Eugene gets a big reaction, right? Mm. I, I I don't know if it if it's just like Canadian fans are very similar to UK fans in that we're willing to like Willing to ruin a show. Well, not, not, not even that. that. Not even that. But because it doesn't. Because like it, when you look at the WWE tour, they'll go to Canada. Maybe aside from house shows, maybe once or twice a year, and it's the same for the UK. So I think when we have a big t TV taping and we go, we go a bit mental for it. Like, if you like it, you're really going to let people know that you like yeah. it because it's your chance to let everyone know. That was our golden moment and we took it to let everyone know that Fandango's pretty all right. <laughs> and now I Fandango on my way to work, Maggle, you know. <laughs> but it is interesting here because Eugene does get some pops here tonight. He also gets some of the most muted reactions I think I've ever seen the Eugene character get. So I was going back and forth in my mind thinking, are the fans sick of him at this point? Or is it because he's on the show a lot tonight because he is our general manager? And then I went up and I looked in the old uh, newsletters and stuff. Eugene's a ratings draw, Billy. He's popping the numbers. Oh, really? Yes. As in this whole angle with Eugene was one of the strongest ratings draws that they had done on television in years. This is actually the part of a period where they're coming out of some really bad business mm. in 03 and doing really, really well. So Eugene is a draw, but fans can't seem to make up their minds 
whether or not they like him. It's almost as if they're having the problems we have in 2021 back in 2004. Yeah, like, it's like, are they just tuning in for the morbid curiosity? I mean, one of the strongest ratings that they did all year on Raw was Triple H and Eugene in a steel cage match. That's and crazy. That's got to be right up there in terms of, there's things I like in wrestling, Billy, but that ain't my dish. Triple H and Eugene in a cage. No thanks. No, can't say it's mine either. I mean, it's one step away from Vince McMahon versus Hornswoggle in a cage with the stipulation is you have to treat this fully grown man as a child. Then, you know, that is the only other one that would be slightly worse. So why is Eugene in charge tonight? Uncle Eric's on vacation. <laughs> That's all you need oh. to know. Uncle Eric's on vacation. He decided that Eugene can be in charge. That's about it. That's all we need to know. That's grand. I tell you what, Uncle Eric on vacation. I want to see that beach episode of that anime. Yes. Eric Bischoff <laughs> on the beach. Like it's gonna be amazing. Well, you don't, he might be at a karate <laughs> tournament. We don't know. <laughs> I did find out where he was. Oh yeah. Bischoff was off with his, his pal Jason Harvey, and they were doing a hot new production that they were trying to pitch for the big studio executives on TV. Billy, I want to introduce you to the concept of seven 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 which is seven millionaires all go in and they put on a million dollar bet each. And then we watch these millionaires gamble in Las Vegas to see who goes home with the jackpot of seven million dollars. So if you want to see a very rich person become slightly more wealthy, this is the show for you. That sounds dreadful. It sounds so bad. It's like, imagine Dragon's Den. But the dragons could only pitch to each other. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. Like, I don't need to see no rich folk getting richer. That's horrible. No, no one wants to see it. You want to see that you want to see a poor person get rich or a rich person become real poor. Yeah, that those are the two things I want. You don't want to see a poor person become more poor or a rich person become more rich. Like that's no goes for television. Or if you're like me and you want to see a poor person become rich, then poor, then rich, and then maybe rich or poor, and have Danny Dyer be all Shakespearean in the back yeah. and go, whoa, then you need to watch The Wall. <laughs> the Wall. Which is difficult because it features both a wall and balls and Danny Dyer. So you go, whoa, bowl, get that ball down that wall. Side note, Billy, you got to watch The Wall. <laughs> I saw it when it was hosted by Dale Winton still before he died. Oh, no, Danny Dyer, he's taken up the mantle. That's It's his wall now. That's all I'm saying. So, we start off a very strange way to start an 04 episode of Raw. Nature Boy Ric Flair heading into the ring. And one of the oddest lines I've ever heard from JR to set us up. Jerry Lawler, Stacey Keebler, Tajiri, along with Coach and Tash and Tomko in the ring already. Fucking hell, what's that? Yeah, I, I don't know who... I watched this episode of Raw and was watching wrestling at this time. I have no idea who Tyson Tomko is. He has been completely wiped from my mind. Tyson Tomko would be one of my all-time great physical competitors in the ring. You know, he could, he could stand up toe-to-toe with the likes of Jesus or Bam mm. Neely, you know, or Eric Escobar, you know, the real dominant forces in professional wrestling. But I'll say Jerry Lawler, Stacey Keebler, Tajiri, Coach, and Tyson Tomko, NSA, meet your new crack team. That's the fucking group right there. <laughs> I could instantly see by the position of the chairs that are in the ring, that we were getting the musical chairs. But I I didn't think we would be opening with musical chairs. And I do think they, they sort of prematurely shoot their load, as it were. Oh, yeah. You don't start with your best thing. Yeah. That is like in stand-up comedy, as in wrestling, it should never be the place that you go to. Because this is the best thing on this episode. This is one of possibly the best things of all time. <laughs> yes, it is. I, I love this 
so fucking much, Billy. This is absolutely incredible. I, I would show this to people who have conceived ideas in their head about what wrestling is and isn't to blow those expectations yeah. wide open. Oh, man. So what are the rules of musical chairs for those of us at home who don't go to children's birthday parties? So there's, uh, you'll have a line of chairs uh, alternating which way they're facing, either forward or back, and everyone will go around in a circle whilst music plays, and as soon as the music stops, everyone sits down in the chair. There'll be one person stood up because there's only... Uh, there's one chair less than there are people walking at the, around the ring at any one time until there is one person left. Everyone understand? All right, kids, off we go. <laughs> <laughs> now, this was a great collection of talent because everyone in this ring is taking this so fucking seriously. Yeah. Did you see the look on Ric Flair's face? Yeah. He was like, very, he very was going in it. there to take on fucking Harley Race at Starcade. It was amazing. Jericho, huge reaction for him as well. Yeah. Hometown boy for sure, but oh my God. Tyson Tomko, any memories of him at all? Let's try and plumb the depths here now. No, I looked him up afterward and saw that he was the enforcer. So he was essentially, he was a one-man APA, more or less. That was that was the gimmick, yeah. He had, he's got a great look, you know, very, very 2004. Yeah. You know, like, what if a tribal tattoo became a person? Yeah. It would be Tyson Tomko. I decided, you know what, Tyson Tomko was one of my, one of my guys back in the day. I'll, I'll check him up, see how he's doing. I remember he had a little run in TNA and thought, yeah, Tyson Tomko, what's he been up to? This this was quite dark, unfortunately. Tyson Tomko was involved in a stick-up raid at a pharmacy in 2011 or thereabouts. Ooh. And he went into the pharmacy and he pretended to have a gun and he told the pharmacist, give me every fucking oxy pill that you have in the pharmacy. Which is, in fairness, if wrestling and robbery coincide and maybe 1996 also is in that Venn mm. diagram, that is the most three things of those yes. things that is absolutely possible anyway he steals all the oxycontin and he goes to a i think it's a chilies or something down the road the police are in hot pursuit and then he went and i i shit you not ground up and injected 178 oxycontin pills into his body to to get rid of the evidence to get rid he flushed the evidence into his body see that's what happened to Neidhart when he got arrested for having pills he, like the police pulled up on him and he just shoved all the pills in his mouth and swallowed them yeah i mean that that's that's simply Neidhart and Tomko yeah. Tomko was a little bit more cerebral yeah. you know he he ground up whereas Neidhart was just fucking you know stuffing them in that is the, the fact as well that that was not swiftly followed by an obituary in the wikipedia yeah, that's page incredible. was honestly very shocking to me 178 Oxycontin. That's like what we call the fucking click special order or something. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Jesus. Like he will, there's no way he would have overdosed. They, because it's, and because it's an opiate, they'll have had to give him, I can't remember the name of the drug that, it's it's like the adrenaline shot where they pump it straight into her heart, but they give to her, uh, people who've overdosed on heroin. I mean, I, I know Oxycontin is, uh, it's what Jack Osborne got addicted yeah. to. So I know it's one of the most dangerous party drugs that there is. And it, it tore, it fucking strips out of wrestling. And I think this idea that it stopped somehow in the 90s is definitely not the case. Oh, no, case sure. in point, Tyson Tomko here. Uh, Jim Ross, letting us know uh, what we can expect in terms of our, our wordplay tonight. It'll be a special match yes. if you know what i'm if you see what a special <laughs> and, and that will match. continue throughout the night so eugene out he pops to introduce the segment he gets a you should re i'm gonna play the reaction here 
he'll get more of a reaction as the night goes on. But I think again, it's people. There's I I do think there's a morbid curiosity. I'm sure you felt it, and and I definitely felt it when we put on this episode. Is what is he gonna say? Yeah, Dan, and that is true. There is there is that factor. There's an apprehension when you watch it of like, what are they? Are they gonna do something really insulting or not? So you 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 kind of. You, you you reserve yourself a little bit when he's on the screen. There's a hush almost yeah. that kind of You're... it's not a gasp, but it is the noise is the noise of people giving a slight concerned look yeah. to the person beside them, if that could make a noise. Yes. Yeah. That's that's what it is like watching Eugene. And for the most part, Eugene himself doesn't in the two episodes that we've watched, he doesn't himself really say anything that's like that's proper offensive. It's everyone around him, I it's think. It's everyone around him. So I, I think people are, are worried about the wrong people. The people you're worried about what they should say are the, the members of evolution, of what they're going to say. That's what you need to be you know, waiting with bated breath, or not Eugene itself. Yeah, now we're all grand here, but Dave Batista, he fucking hates <laughs> Eugene. He's going to say, oh, don't listen to that podcast, that would be fucking horrible. It was when Eugene came out and he had his blazer... You know, he had his sports coat and the, the handkerchief and all that, you know, looking like he, he he dressed himself upside down or whatever. And then it was over his shoulder I saw it and realized this is not my era. They're on Spike TV and in giant letters over his shoulder it said, Spike TV, the first network for men, underlined. <laughs> so it's a bit like, I'm not familiar with Spike. It's like Spike, like... The American version of Bravo. I guess so. I mean, because I'd say that Bravos are equivalent. It's it's, it's about time, 2004, where men finally got a shake at the stick in terms of getting, you know, programming that suited their needs. Because wrestling up until this point, you know, very much, you know, only with the female gaze in mind, Mm. really. So good on you, Spike, for standing up the bravery and also stand up to Spike Jones, who tried to sue you for using his name, which was. uh, (laughs) So it's at this point I need to defer to you, Billy, because we're in Uncharted wars here 2004 i need something to to wet my whistle on or 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 some a, a foothold a, something to grab onto before i fall down the river of 2004 so i did some research into 2004 in terms of media and sort of pop culture events that sort of happened and like 2004 is a big fucking year big old year big old year so in terms of pop culture the first there, there was one thing I knew definitely happened in 2004, which was the Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson Super Bowl halftime show controversy. Oh, and that's where the uh, wardrobe malfunction yes. entered into mainstream lexicon and then wrestling lexicon forever. Yes. So th- <laughs> that was too, that was this the, the Super Bowl of that year in in February. So we've had that already. Other two big sort of pop culture moments. One that we have definitely mentioned a lot and find hysterical is the Dean scream. The D- oh my God, you kidding me? I have a scream came in 04? Yeah, the, sc- <laughs> the scream that doomed Howard Dean was 2004. Oh my God. You know what I love about 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 old Deanie there is that he genuinely thinks that it was just the scream and there was nothing else. <laughs> if that man was a walking fucking hit job waiting to happen, like on some news program, what are you? What are you? What are you really screaming about, Howard Dean? <laughs> and then the last big sort of pop culture thing, the funny pop culture thing, was I don't know if you remember Ashley Ashley Simpson lip syncing on SNL. Oh. And then but when she gets caught, she did a little dance and then ran off the stage. On a Monday, I'm waiting 
Shockingly, it appears Simpson had been lip syncing to Pieces of Me or at least singing along with the track. Her band gamely plays on, as you can see, while Simpson fumbles her way through a bizarre jig before wandering off stage. That was 2004 as well. That derailed young Ashley yeah. Simpson was going to be the bigger Simpson. She was going to she was going to be the Kendall Jenner of the Simpsons clan. She was going to outshine Kim brackets Jessica. And that was that's not a fun mocking moments like when Jessica Simpson thought that chicken and tuna were the same thing. <laughs> that's like that's Millie Vanilli. That'll kill your career right there. Yeah, completely ruined anything that she had going for her. Now, what I would have done in that situation, and unfortunately Ashley can't go back in time, but you're on SNL. You know, work it. You run out back. You grab a John Mulaney or someone and go, it's a joke, right? You fucking shake him around. He's like, yeah, it's a joke. <laughs> and then no no one can disagree with you. <laughs> um, and then sort of in terms of TV, the big thing of the year was the last episode of Friends. Wow, 04. 04. And of course, 04 would have been the height of Lost Fever as well before yeah. we all stopped watching it. Mm. Um, <laughs> in terms of music, I decided to look up what was the number one single in the US, Ireland, and the UK. Thank you, Billy. Thank you for, for giving top 30 hits a look in there. You're better than Jim Ross. I've always said it. So the number one single on the day of this, this episode of Raw was in the US was Burn by Usher. Okay, I know that yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, the Irish number one was... Every Can I just say, uh, very low energy. Yes. I never thought I could say that. Low energy. Usher was, was low energy a lot of the time, yeah. and I never was comfortable with S it. Same year as Yeah, though, by Usher. Ah, which okay. was, well, you know... Well, no, he wasn't bringing the energy there, though, no, was he? No, Wayne. <laughs> exactly, it was. That's You can't just be energy-adjacent, Usher. And then the Irish number one single on the day was Every Time by Britney Spears. Wow, okay. Every time I love so obviously Ireland was going through a bit of a emo phase or whatever well, at the moment. This was number one in Ireland for a week until it was knocked off by "Dry Your Eyes, Mate" by The Streets. Ah, uh, well, you know, <laughs> in fairness, us in Ireland, you know, we nothing, nothing will catch us more like an English guy doing a bit of a rap. Like that is just, I, I, I knew so many virulently anti-English people mm. who adored The Streets and just couldn't you know, connect the dots in any way. You know, I, I was very thankful that I grew up listening to the streets. It meant when I moved here, I knew how to not mug myself and how to order a proper British breakfast <laughs> and not make a feel like if me and Pete Doherty went out for a big breakfast, I know exactly what to order. Oh, absolutely. I don't mug myself or anything like that. You know, any other, I mean, we got any games or, yeah, or we, films or anything Yeah, like we've got that? games. So I'll just say the number one single in the UK was obviously by McFly. Wow, McFly. We didn't like McFly in Ireland. No, you didn't. According to the charts, you didn't. Um, you could keep them. Th that, that was the interesting thing in regards to music was I looked at every every number one in the US, Ireland, and, and the UK, there were like 11 songs for the entire year that were number one in the US. Ireland, about 13. In the UK, there was over 30 different songs. We, like The people in the UK are so much more fickle than, than the US and Ireland. We were like, See, you say fickle, I say global Britain. Yeah, yeah all right. global Britain. <laughs> uh, and and other, other pop bangers, we had the re-release of Mysterious Girl by Peter Andre, because oh. he was in I'm a Celeb. Toxic by Britney Spears. The Cha-Cha Slide, Lola's Theme by The Shapeshifters, Baby Cakes by Three of a Kind, wow. These Words by Natasha Bedingfield, 
Call on me by Eric Prince. Vertigo Benjamin, by you two. You just don't know, no. Yeah. Oh, I, I, score a goal, goal. Yeah. <laughs> You're crossing the podcast streams here. Um, <laughs> Vertigo by you two and Drago Dinte by Ozone. So we got Fucking the hell. bangers after bangers. You know what? I feel like it's the end of 2001 there. You just hit me with a fucking absolute vein of rock of multicolored yeah. fucking pure nostalgia. There's so many of those songs that like, I wouldn't have ever said I was a fan of them, but yet they're such a part of my soul now, you know? I, I yeah, if you hear these words by Natasha Bedingfield, you're going to sing along. Obviously! I need to let everyone know that those words were hers. She wrote the song herself, guys. In, in terms of films, US number one on the day of this Raw, Spider-Man 2. Oh, interesting. Uh, wrestling, wrestling link up there, Trinity of ECW mm. and TNA fame. She was a stunt woman on that. Oh, very nice. How about that? Yeah. UK number one, because Spider-Man hadn't released yet. Shrek 2. <laughs> wow. Irish number one. Don't know. They don't keep records until 2011. We don't like films that much, actually, so we don't buy I couldn't find any Irish box office records before 2011. I don't know if there was wow. a big fire. I don't know what happened. <laughs> the records were lost. <laughs> yeah, forever. the records were lost, like the Universal's fire. Other big films of 2004... Day After Tomorrow, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, The Passion of the Christ, Saw, Napoleon Dynamite, Shaun of the Dead, Shark Tale, Million Dollar Baby. I've done too many of those uh, yeah. reviews for Cinema Swirl and Swill. <laughs> I've just realised now that's like that was a that was quite a bleak list compared to the music. And I was like, oh yeah, Shark Tale, great. <laughs> and then in games was the mo- was the one I was like, holy shit, Spider Man Two, best Spider Man game. Yeah. Burnout 3 Takedown, my favourite racing game ever. Star Wars Battlefront. Oh, now you're talking. Fable, World of Warcraft, Metal Gear Solid 3, Halo 2, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, Half-Life 2, and Need for Speed Underground 2. Wow. To name a that... few games that came out this year. You know what? If ever there was a, a, a need to have definitive lists of noughties and tens media, there's one right there because half of those games I swore came out six years later. Yeah. Billy, you're missing a very important, a very, very important piece of cinema history, but we'll get to that later on. Oh, we were, I, I know what you're talking about. And, and, and I, I thought, let's not mention that here just, just for the surprise. I think so. I think it's time to let 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 certain people, you know, have a star, have the spotlight a little bit for for once. You know, I think it'd only be fair. Now back to our musical chairs action. Now that we've all had fucking black tar heroin levels of two thousand and four <laughs> hooked up to our veins, now we're like, ah, I just need to listen to the streets and play Need for Speed <laughs> and talk about how attractive Gail Porter is. <laughs> There's a deep streets cut for you. <laughs> Stacey Keebler, the fucking professional. She doesn't bat an eyelid. All the men are like, what do you expect me to do? And she's like, you know what? A couple of weeks ago, I was probably wrestling in a fucking tar and feather match and then being dunked in gravy and rolled around in mud and whatever. So I'll go and I'll start then, shall I? Yeah. And then the character work here. Yeah. Oh, man. Stacey and Jerry are the only people who immediately start it. Jerry's just up for a bit of fun. Stacey's well, no, just d- happy to be there. He, he, he chases Stacy. Yes. Stacy starts and he's like, yeah. <laughs> he's drawn into her orbit like some sort of a horny moon. It's really fucking weird. And just in case you haven't watched this, despite what we've already built up by talking about it, the music that is playing is Pop Goes the Weasel. And it is the fucking goofiest, royalty-free, 
Dum, 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 dum. Like, as in, if Howard Finkel was coming out, Vince McMahon would have yes. pitched that they use this music yes, for him 100%. to come out to, like, you know? Oh, it was so fucking good. The moment all of the men are staring then at these two in the middle and they go, shit, and they run, and they run because they realize there is something at stake. You get an Intercontinental Championship shot later yeah. on in the night. And the moment for everyone went from being, I'm too serious to, let's play some fucking musical chairs for real, was beautiful the 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 intensity in all of these guys as soon as the music stops there's a, there's a beat then there's just this mad scramble to get to a chair Tijeri is unfortunately the first one eliminated after being pushed out of the way by that rat bastard coach and coach is a uh, cutting it up laughing big style and then he gets green mist all over his face and the next round which includes coach going my eyes! I won't be able to see any. I can't see. Was so funny. Yeah. It was so funny. Him walking around, scratching it. You know what? If you think about the mist for longer than a second, it's fucking terrifying. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so Coach ends up walking around the wrong way, but also holding onto the ropes of the ring nowhere near the chairs. And when the music stops, he just like bumps. He just bumps himself to the floor, nowhere near any chairs, just hoping blindly that he has landed on a chair. You know what? He's way better than I think. He's he's the definition of a character you and I would have watched when we were younger. I went, I don't like Coach because he's yeah. a heel and he's shit. He's so entertaining. Oh, man. The, the bit from a few, when he comes in to greet Tajiri on Raw, he's like, hey, Tajiri! And he gets sprayed <laughs> in the face. My God, you need people like Coach in wrestling, yeah. like, you know? Instead, we've got people like Adam Pearce in wrestling, and we're all the worse off for it. <laughs> Hot take, Billy. We shouldn't need to have a character like Eugene to make wrestlers have musical chairs. No, 100% not. Musical chairs should be a staple of wrestling. All party games should be. All right, I was going to ask you, like, what childhood parlor game, you know, a birthday bash game? You and I have had our birthdays recently. Yeah. What 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 childhood bash type game would you go for the, to introduce into the world of wrestling? The one I was thinking about for a while, but the most logical one for me, I thought, was pass the parcel. Yeah, and every layer is a different opportunity. I like so, that. So then you could do it like a you know like a, a taboo Tuesday where you don't know really what the the match is going to be, what the opponent's going to be. It's a right. random stipulation. It's a random opponent all the way down to the bottom. And then, I don't know, in in the centre, you just have the actual title belt in there. <laughs> I uh, I want Duck Duck Goose, but with the Sandman or Hikura Shida. Anyone who's got a Singapore cane yes. who can just walk around. There's something about someone sat in a semi-circle. There's something about people sat in a circle and then being hit with a Singapore cane I think would be really, really funny. And uh, Last but not least, I would propose, are you familiar with the flower game, Billy? I am not. I, I learned about this. Via my recent birthday where it was presented to me as something that was done apparently all the time in England where you have a very, very small pile of flour that's been compacted in and placed in a bowl and it's like a little dome of flour and then you put like a little piece of chocolate or a sweetie on top of it and then both people are given butter knives and you are to slowly slice away as large a piece as possible while not moving the piece of chocolate or causing it to crumble. So it's a game of skill and again, of high octane. You could honestly only do that for a high-end feud. Obviously, for your top guys, your top women or whatever. Face-to-face. Yeah. Hard camera. They have them slowly getting away the flower. But maybe 
certain wrestlers you couldn't do that at certain times. You know, in the eighties, they just think it was cocaine. Yeah. They think it was, you know, I've, and they go straight for it. I have never heard of that game, but it does sound like if you lose, you will have your soul taken by a stand. <laughs> I mean, yes, definitely. I would say as much. So, the flowers, the sand. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> <laughs> the intensity increases as we're down to a few. The king is out, and the crowd are so hot. He jumps onto Stacy's lap, and then he's kicked off. The crowd are like, Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> They are so hot for this. It is ridiculous. And then, because King is out, we're down to a few. Rick is behind Stacy. He just starts styling and profiling, and it's the funniest thing yeah. in the world. He takes off his jacket. He starts doing... Woo! He starts doing the flare strut. The thing I enjoyed the most, actually, I don't know if you paid attention to the referee. I was too busy looking at Chris Jericho, who was corpsing the entire fucking time. (laughs) The referee was constantly hunched over as if he's waiting to, like, slip his hand underneath someone's, like, shoulder. The ref was selling it like a legitimate competition, and that made me laugh. The second ref on the outside, you're like in the Royal Rumble, (laughs) if, if there was any instant replays or anything. Flair, the dirtiest player in the game, just shoving Stacey Keebler. Now, like, that was funny because that that showed you a difference there between Jerry Lawler, who's just like, woohoo, Stacey Keebler. Yeah. And then Ric Flair, who just wanted to strut in front of her and then shove her out of the <laughs> way because he wants to get a title shot. We are down to Rick, Jericho, and Tomko. And Ric Flair gets eliminated in the most Ric Flair way possible. Yeah, he's too busy celebrating and dancing. He's not even looking or walking around the the chairs. And the the music stops. And he he even continues for a little second after the music stops because he's not noticed. He's that oblivious. And that's what is great about a character like Ric Flair. He's doing something silly. He fucks up. And then he doesn't go like, oh, guys, what am I like? Woo. He's fucking livid. He's shaking his head. He goes to fucking punch out the referee. He's throwing his blazer. He's sweating like you've never seen before. It was so fucking great. I absolutely adored it. Ric Flair, the performance of his life in musical chairs. I loved it. (laughs) Absolutely loved this. We're down to Jericho and Tomko. I wrote down, literally the only way I ever want to see Chris Jericho take on Tyson Tomko is in the last train for musical <laughs> chairs. Oh man, it was great. The, the finish here where Jericho just grabs the chair, whacks Tomko with it, sits down, tries to throw up the sleeves on a short sleeve t-shirt and then crosses <laughs> his arms, looking so pleased with himself. That, my friends, is one of the greatest segments in the history of wrestling. Not just Raw, not just WWE, wrestling up your game be as entertaining as musical chairs was like you you like we're not joking it's not hyperbole this is a an amazing wrestling segment if you have not seen it genuinely watch it then now forever always it is great and the best thing about it is that even if you're kind of thinking oh the you i don't you know there's a lot of people who are like i don't know if i want to even check out the episode you release guys because i feel a bit weird about eugene even talking about eugene he's not even there he's he just says this is what we're going to do and then they do it yeah like you there's a clip of it on youtube where eugene is conveniently or sadly however you look at it has been edited off of it yeah this concept is bigger than eugene <laughs> And later on tonight, Chris Jericho will be getting his shot at the Intercontinental Championship going one-on-one 
with the Randy Orton in our semi-main event later on tonight. Which has made me think we're going to have a really boring semi-main event. Yeah, Randy bores me to tears at this point in time, and I don't really yeah. know why. Like, He's I love Randy dead. now. Yeah, definitely. The last couple of years, Randy, but like it's only the last couple of years I've actually begun to like Randy Orton. He started taking himself so seriously, it feels like, whereas mm. here... He looks like he's about to fucking explode at any given minute, Randy Orton. And, I, and because you know, he often would do that, sometimes out of his arse into <laughs> someone's bag, oh. that makes me kind of view him a little bit mm, yeah. at the moment. Hey, it's our favorite tag team, La Resistance. And in case you didn't check out the last episode, basically, guys, it's just an evil Quebecer who pretended to be from France and an evil American who defected to France and then to Canada because he has... <laughs> There's a man without a country right there, Rob Conway. They're taking on an interesting team. Um, Rhino and Val Venus. Was not expecting to see Val Venus turn up. No, I was not. And I don't like talking about Val Venus because Val Venus is basically just a walking advertisement of how good the internet is at turning people into fucking raging psychopaths. Yeah. But I, I did muster up two fun tag team names for them anyway, okay. Billy. Rhino Horn, which I thought, hey. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, he's like a willy and then um, gore porn mm. 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 It's, it is accurate but it doesn't make me happy uh, so it doesn't spark joy so I'm going to have to I mean you could you, you could make a team name out of what everyone just says to him on Twitter which is Val no please stop Val or, no or you have violated the rules and terms of so last week, we had an even greater random oddball tag team as Rhino teamed up with Sergeant Slaughter to take on La Resistance. What is going on with Rhino? <laughs> I have no idea. Rhino shouldn't be in a tag team. No, he should be breaking the ring with Kane. We've established this. Rhino should be in handicap matches and still win. That's what <laughs> Rhino's for. The match is, you know, it's grand. Rhino gets worked over for a bit. We get a hot tag to Val Venus, whose trousers say live in large because we've reduced his gimmick to the lowest common denominator, which is the color purple and yeah. fun times. It, like, why did they never just repackage him? Uh, well, me and Adam got a bit of the repackaged Val in 02 where he was the big Valbowski, but we do get a repackaged Val around about... I mean, is, is it all... It could either be right after or right before this where he becomes Chief Morley. And he becomes the, the chief of staff for Eric Bischoff. And he's like the kind of sycophant who's there just to, to do... He's meant to be like a, a real life... He's meant to be like a kayfabe version of Johnny Ace where he's the guy who gives right. all the bad news. And, you know, Bischoff is like, you know, just sends out this chief of staff guy to deliver all the horrible match announcements and all that jazz. So he did get another flourish. But, you know, Val Venus in 04 is kind of... Yeah. Because he was, fla he was floundering in 2001. He pretty much floundered almost non-stop since 2001. Yeah, like how, it's, it's, it's I don't sad. understand how you can flounder for that length of time without them turning around and just saying, okay, you've got a new character, you've got a new name, here you go. I think it's a combination of the fact that in spite of everything, you know, this is not an endorsement of him as a human being, he is a vile, reprehensible piece of shit as far as I'm concerned, but he is a very, very capable wrestler. Yeah. He probably was one of the better workers they had in the Attitude Era. He always was able to pull out a great performance and he could fit into any level they wanted to put him into. I think he's too good of a wrestler and the gimmick was so good that it's kind of like, ah, well, you know, Val Venus, everyone will react when they hear that 
saxophone mm. flare up and him come out and do the fingers. Whereas I just think that he was he was one of those people where they wanted him as a good hand and he had a, a gimmick that was so strong from so long ago that they can have him coming out here with the trousers that basically say a nice long weekend and it's like, yeah, Valvinas, woo! Yeah. You know, he just he just was there, you know, and he was one of the many people they fired in 05, I believe. So, you know, his, his days are numbered. We guess the Gore avoided and then the Kenplex avoided as well. And then once again, the originators... They hit Au Revoir, a.k.a. Gallows and Anderson stole that move and called it the Magic Killer. And <laughs> I felt they killed the magic of the Au Revoir when they stole our Resistance's tag team finisher, Billy. Imagine stealing <laughs> anything from La Resistance. That's kind of what makes it funny to yeah. me. Like, like, if you go to Nick Mordecai's finisher or something <laughs> like that, like, yeah, all right, like, you know, I mean, fair. I mean, it is funny that you've done that fair fucks, you know? <laughs> there, there are some Eugene fans in the crowd. That I did, oh, yeah? I did spot a Eugene is my God sign. <laughs> okay. So that's what's going down in Manitoba in 2004. Yeah, they're godless people until Eugene came into their lives. That's probably <laughs> why the ratings are popping. It's Monday service yeah. again, Billy. Backstage, Randy Orton, he's complained about all sorts. And he's he is just a bit over... It's it's jarring to see how over the top he is here. It's, he is all over the place. It's pantomime levels. Yeah. And he's doing the big, like, silly... It's like he's trying to make Rick laugh or something yeah. like that. I don't know. And you're not going to make Ric Flair corpse. But Ric Flair did make me corpse when he said... These words, <laughs> Flair's annoyed that he's a, he's a sixteen-time champion and he was made to play Ring Around a Rosie, and especially this week of all weeks, when his fell. What what is his autobiography is going on sale? <laughs> right, <laughs> got to get that line in. Yeah, it is a it's a salty that is a that book might have been found in the fucking Dead Sea because it's a salty tome. Let's just say. <laughs> I mean, Orton's unhappy because purely by the fact that Eugene has been made an honorary member of Evolution tonight, and that he has to defend his title tonight as well. I love, love, love. It's always the most cumbersome thing, Billy, when outraged heel has to do exposition. Yeah. Can you believe the events of last week we want you to remember? And tonight as well? <laughs> yes, Randy, I can believe him. Now, I did recall that Eugene's office was a bouncy house and finding that very, very funny. You know, mm. I, that was something I did remember from back in the day. And lo and behold, they're looking for Eugene's office to chat with the newest member of Evolution. And there is a sign in the background that's like drawn all backwards, E and all that yeah. jazz. And you see Eugene's got his own bounce house and they're talking evolution for a good few minutes. All the while, Eugene is bouncing up and <laughs> yeah. down. So you can kind of get that over. And that's very funny and cute. What was not funny or cute was that when Eugene has to do the rest of the segment, gassed as fuck. Yes. Because the, working a bounce house, brother, that's some hard shit. Mm. Eugene wants to know where Triple H is. And asks if they remember when Kane pretended to be his friend, only to punch him in the past. Ah, yes, who could forget? And then he goes over and he starts playing with his action figures, and he books tonight Batista versus Kane, and also for vengeance, Ric Flair and Eugene taking on La Resistance, and Rick is beside himself because he's got a busy week with Marbury coming up. <laughs> You know, he's he's upset about it. Rick being held back 
as he tries to fight his way into a bouncy castle to attack Eugene by Batista is hysterical. The only way that line could have been funnier him delivering it is if he was in the bouncy castle. Yeah. Like going, Rare Uncle <laughs> you know, that would have been even fucking better. I was, Alas, not. I was getting real Yosemite Sam vibes off Rick tonight. <laughs> yes. It was, uh, it was, it was once again showing how much Ric Flair brought to the table. Yeah. Because both Batista and Randy really, really struggle with the verbiage. And the difference between B- Batista and Randy seeming like, you know, fucking Garrison Cade and Mark Jindrak on their own, and then seeing like legit pros, is that Ric Flair is with them and everything seems legitimate, even the man in the bouncy castle. Yeah. I will say though, Eugene's got some serious stroke. He has his own private bounce house. You know, he got his, his logo was printed on it yeah. as well. Uncle Eric's got a lot of money. Yeah, that's the thing you forget about Eugene is that he's a he's a child of privilege. You know, <laughs> he's a rich Eugene. Like you know, he gets he gets to go play fucking wrestler fantasy camp because his uncle runs the show. Nepotism, worse than Eric Watts. There was apparently, and I found this because Nick Dinsmore did do a commentary series on all of his matches and highlights on his YouTube channel. Some of it's pretty interesting. Mm. The most interesting bit is that he edits out every time he takes like a pinfall loss on us. <laughs> talk about it, which is the most wrestling thing yes. ever. Yeah. But he did bring up that they wanted to do an angle that was pitched over and over by creative that he would have his mother, who would be kayfabe Eric's sister, show up on television to complain about how her boy Eugene was being treated and that she wanted him to be treated right and all that jazz. And that could have been pretty damn shaky not noticing the fact that you are really bringing into life that eric bischoff has got a family that is in wrestling now and i don't think anyone would have been comfortable with it but yeah. apparently that that morphed into shelton benjamin's mama later on which uh me and joe saw in how to not that long ago okay so yeah i don't think it would have worked with eugene it would have been all sorts of awkward having an overprotective mm. mother and inverted commas special eugene it would have been really fucking cringy i think yeah no, definitely here, stop making sense for a minute. Here comes Triple H in the biggest suit you ever did see. Cerebral Assassin. Qu'est-ce You may find yourself behind the wheel of an unsuccessful UK wrestling takeover bid. And you may see all these abusers and think, well... How did I get here? <laughs> what is going on with that that big clown suit? I, I I wrote that he's dressed like the king of car dealerships. <laughs> and no one in Connecticut can beat my rock bottom prices. It looked like it was the spare bouncy castle that Eugene yeah. had, and it wasn't colourful enough, so they fashioned it into a big suit for Hunter. <laughs> or the tarpaulin bag it comes in fucking hell look at him here with his cool sunglasses his insistence on pouting in every other line that he delivers he this is peak bad triple h he looks so rubbish and this is a bad promo as well fuck me this whole segment was flat as fuck and can you imagine that there probably was a lengthy, lengthy sequence in the writer's room where they were arguing about this opening the show and not musical chairs. Mm. And it probably ended in Triple H in his big suit going, all right, it's your funeral. I'm just going to go now in my big flappy suit and, and go do my promo later on in the evening, I guess. Does anybody want to hear Triple H talking about Darwinism <laughs> and the difference between... Dar- like Darwin's theories and religious theories. Do we need that? 
Do we need this Richard Dawkins bullshit from Triple H? Ah, uh, no. I don't know, Billy. I mean, I don't know about you, you see, because you know, I study zoology, mm. right? And I've got, I've got a degree in this shit, and I will never forget the iconic quote from Darwin. You cannot stop evolution. <laughs> right. You you can say it's like Darwin says and then just do your promo, yeah. all right? It's like Charles Darwin said. It's all about the game <laughs> and how you play it. You know, there's a chapter that Darwin had about limpets and they would marry the, the head limpet's daughter and then all of a sudden they'd propagate a lot more successfully. No! Stop talking about Darwin! It's not yours to talk about, Triple H. <laughs> and then at the end of his really long promo, he goes, No one can stop me. No man can stop me. And no God can stop me. Big pause. And Edge comes out. Your new God? Yeah. What was that? That's the worst setup for a babyface to interrupt ever. And he gets a subdued reaction mm. seeing as he's a Canadian. Yeah. The only thing, like, you can do there, because he's specified no man. It has to... That's the Undertaker or a woman comes yeah, out. Steph, or no... Steph makes a return. Or Vince McMahon comes out as God, or yeah. whatever it is. So speaking of, guess what's happened to Vince McMahon in, at this point in time? Well, wait, what? He's got he's got diverticulitis. Oh, and he gets over it in one week. What? <laughs> I know. That's wild, right? Because like a lot of the time, people just have that for life. Yeah, like, it fucks up your digestion. Because like Lesnar's got it for life, and Shane Shane got over it, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, and can you imagine the sympathy that he got from yeah. his father who got over it in one week and then went back on to, to ridding the world of beef one steak wrap <laughs> at a time? Like, oh no, there's too much overcooked beef in the state of Idaho. Better eat it all. <laughs> a week. A week. I know, it's crazy. It's absolutely wild. Like, my, my, my grandfather got diverticulitis and, like, it, he had it for, like, five years. Jesus and like, Christ. I know you can get degrees of it. Yeah. Maybe he got like a less severe degree of it. Because, you know, Shane had it and a month later he was going oh, 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 at yeah. a WrestleMania match against AJ Styles. But yeah, I, I want to talk about Edge here. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I don't know if Edge, it was just the fact that he, since we last saw him, he's continued to have really underwhelming, crappy angles or just not being positioned as a top baby face. Or maybe it was the fans reacting to his really shit t-shirt where it was Edge with his long hair, but then the hair came down and it spelled the word Edge. And then the hair also became his sunglasses and pursed lips. It was honestly one of the worst t-shirts I've ever seen. It made him look like a cross between Krang and Cousin It. Yeah, it's it was not, not Not good. <laughs> not good at all. He's got a simple message for Triple H. You're all going down. Yeah. It was pretty weak stuff. And Triple H sneering at him the whole time. This is like peak Triple H. I'm just going to sneer at your promo and you're yeah. not going to get over. How about that? It was awful. He knew what he was doing here. Yeah. Now, this is him directly burying. <laughs> and not to get too romantic here, but when they did the hard camera side by side shot, you had Triple H and Edge like right face to face. I don't think Triple H liked being in the ring with Edge, which made Triple H look a lot shorter than you usually think he looks. But Triple H's nose and Edge's chin, they kind of slot in together like a perfect yin-yan, mm. side by side. You know, it's pretty cool. So did this did this storyline go anywhere? They try and do a thing where Edge and Benoit try and team up together to take on Evolution. 
And basically at this point, they read the room that fans aren't buying Edge. And I think when it comes to Taboo Tuesday, they do a thing where it's like, you can pick Edge or Benoit or Michaels, and they pick Michaels, and Edge is like, the fans have betrayed me. And that's why he becomes Evil Edge, which yeah. would then be pretty much until 2010 near him. Yeah. He was pretty much healed that whole time. It's a long old heel run. So yeah, I don't think at this point they realize it's botched, but at this point it is a botched He's meant to be the top face. Yeah, because it can work. The idea, you know, of if I want to get to Triple H, I have to go through Flair, Batista, yeah. and Orton. You know, I like that. You, you do that in three, like you have, you know, four pay per views, and the build up to each of them is him getting to the general, and then you get to Triple H and topple Triple H. That's like a storyline that would be remembered to this day if they did something like that. And that's exactly how I, why I remembered when Angelina Love took out all of the beautiful people in TNA <laughs> one by one until she got to that to that Jezebel Velvet Sky who betrayed her and she she got her vengeance back at a TNA pay-per-view of sorts. But yeah, it's it's an easy story. Like, there's a group. I'm going to take you down one by one. Like, we saw that with Austin and DX yeah. and the corporation. Like, countless things. Edge, no, he teams up with someone and then can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Easy storyline. Cool. Cooked well. <laughs> well, yeah, Edge here. I feel I felt sorry for him, you know. Yeah. I don't like feeling sorry for Edge. That's kind of a pervasive thought in my head at the moment, feeling sorry for Edge. And I just feeling sorry for a top guy. It's one thing when they're old and you're worried they're gonna be hurt. It's another thing when it's like they're a youngster in the O four and they've come back from neck surgery ready to go. Yeah. Nope. Not yet. Triple H in the greatest fucking masterstroke ever, decides to list out a long list of far more popular wrestlers who tried to do the same thing. And when you have Edge, they're going, you're all going down. And Triple H goes, yeah, well, Mick Foley, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels, they all tried and they all failed. And you go, well, you ain't them, are you, Edge? Mm. It's really fucking shit. And they have a little brawl, Evolution breaks it up, it's flat. The crowd don't want to see it. They yeah. don't want to see their hometown boy, their hometown hero, Edge, fight the big villain team. There's no appetite. No. Don't get it. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. Here's another blast from the past. Speaking of iconic games, Slam of the Week, brought to us by the N-Gage QD. Brackets, this will do it. Yeah. <laughs> this was like, I never had one. But the people in my school who had them, you were—they were like, they were the cool kids. Oh, you got the end gauge. I fucking remember all the fuckers sat around in 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 study hall when someone's like, "Check this out! What is it you're playing?" I'm playing Tomb Raider on my Nokia N gauge, and it looks like dog shit. <laughs> Je- jealous? And I'm like, no, I hate Tomb Raider. I don't want to see it. I'm like, fine. I'll put an iconic first-person shooter Ashen in. Let me just take out the battery real quick and lift up the SIM card. I'll slot that game right in there. I'm going to put the battery back on top now and slide over the... Uh, the casing is... You have to get your thumb on the casing and... All right, there we go. Now I'm just going to load it up and we're going to play this game. Oh, over there with your Game Boy, Kevin. That's not going to age very well, is it? Well... Here we are now. Who's the fool now? <laughs> N-Gage users. And you know what? N-Gage QD, you even got rid of the best feature. You no longer hold it like a taco. And you can say, hello, this is taco. You can't do that anymore <laughs> with the QD. And they got rid of the MP3. And they got rid of the USB. And they got rid of the FM radio. So what you have is a bad games console yeah. that does nothing else. Yeah. I wonder if they'll bring it back 
because they brought back the Motorola Razor recently. <laughs> so like, I, I don't know if they're going to bring back the N-Gage because everything's about nostalgia and remember this these days. Look, Billy, we've all had that moment, haven't we? We've all had that moment where we woke up one morning and we can't get out of bed because we're scared about the world. We just want to get a big bowl of ready breck, climb underneath a blanket, get a Nokia 3310 and have that be our life instead. Yeah. But we, we can't do it. I will perhaps someday set up a bespoke service for millionaire businessmen to do that and they can pretend <laughs> no one steal my idea, okay? <laughs> but you can't go back and the engage. Oh boy, you couldn't even get there in the. You, you don't even need to go back because you weren't even there in the first place. Anyway, the end game slam of the week is Kane saying, "My baby." Y- yeah. So the fitting. Well, I, I could again, like last time, I couldn't tell what the slam of the week was because there's a Lita low blow to Kane, and then she hits him with the belt. I thought the slam of the week might have been Lita's fabulous jumpsuit she was mm. wearing. It was not. Kane got hit in the willy as well, didn't he? Yeah, got, got a low blow, and then got hit with the belt. He goes to choke slam her. But stops himself, points at her stomach, and says, "Baby, baby, I like Austin Powers." <laughs> so what I was thinking it was, Billy, was that it was a cutting criticism of the lack of potential on the uh, the, uh, the potential failure of the engage QD because it wasn't even a slam; it was only a potential slam. Yeah, and as we all know, the engage QT was anything but a slam dunk in the video game realm. So. <laughs> Coming up next, it's Kane versus Batista. And there's only one question Jim Ross has in this one. And I quote, King, we got to find out who's the biggest stud in the ring. Oh, yes. It's like our last episode. We had Kane and Rhino. Yeah. And I think I'm a little, just a tiny little bit more interested in seeing Kane and this Batista. Yeah. Fuck yes. I hate this Batista's music. It's so average. So generic. I'll tell you what's average and generic. Batista beating Triple H for the world title to that music. It's like he got trapped in a really scary level in Doom 3 or something like that. It's really not fitting for a wrestler. Hey, this match, it's 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 got everything, right? It's got yeah. two big men slapping man meat. These are two big boulders, two big bulls. It's a physical match. Uh, it, it ends in a DQ really quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is a shame. I would have liked to seen like a, a big sort of knockout brawl with these two. Out comes Matt Hardy. We don't get a, a Mattitude fact. No, no, none of the sort. No time for facts with Matt Hardy. Uh, he's after Kane. Slams his head into the stairs several times. And the 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 image of Matt Hardy having to be held back by four referees is very alien. Yeah, it... it... It's weird because this is before, you know, obviously this was a year before we had the Edge Matt yeah. business and all that. And I think there was a lot of fire there when you saw Edge and Matt and did a similar thing and him being pulled back and him being in the audience and all that. We talked about that in our Summer Sam 05 episode. But here it was strange, particularly Matt slamming Kane's head over yeah. and over and over again. And later on, you know, this is because Kane has impregnated Leah, they've implied even though Lita has not said as much, and Matt has not spoken at all on the topic, they're having a match at Vengeance. It's not yet love her or leave her, but it is strange because, like, in that match card graphic, Matt Hardy's like, oh, version one. You know, like, yeah. this is Kane the demon who has impregnated your girlfriend and your lifelong love 
is going to take on a guy who strongly dislikes mustard at pay-per-view. Yeah. And I don't know if that's... It just seems, yeah, out of sorts here. Like, like when Matt did his interview, then Matt goes with, with Todd Grisham. This was an odd fucking interview, right? Yeah. It's a, got, like, a weird low-energy intensity, if that makes sense. Yeah, it was like passive-aggressive tweet thread or something yeah. like that, where, where Todd Grisham's like, what are your thoughts about Lita? And he's like, I'm not going to talk about Lita. And he's like, well, many are saying that Kane has impregnated Lita, and she's going to give birth to Kane's Kane's child. I will not talk about it. And he's like, are you sure? Because, I mean, Kane's willy, you know, that was full <laughs> full of sperm, and now that sperm has met an egg, and that... Now, do you want... I've diagrams. No, I do not want to talk about the reproductive cycle. You know, it... Todd, Todd, oh, the whole time as well. His his fist is clenched like Arthur. Mm. The whole the whole promo, and he's there like he's got a fucking. I've got one. I've got a poppy man. <laughs> Give I me some good answers. Because if the right hook comes out from Todd Grisham, crazy motherfuckers like Matt Hardy get knocked the fuck out. So <laughs> you just watch; he'll pop you one. Yeah. This this so, yeah. the storyline also means though that we're we're a stone's throw away from Snitsky. Yay! Snitsky's Snitsky, a little bit down the line. Snitsky, watch, he's on the horizon. We got a low pressure situation, which could resort Ooh. in a Snitsky storm of epic proportions soon. <laughs> oh Jesus! This, this, this was something else. The diva search is in town, California, Los Angeles. Ooh, California. Teddy Long is going to book some tag team matches tonight, player. Yeah. So, yeah, we've got some the LA ad- auditions of the Diva Search. I was kind of thinking, should we maybe review the Diva Search? Yes, please. Absolutely. Like every... I have so much to say about the Diva Search. Like, like it, it would be hard to do because we'd have to find every single segment on an episode of Raw or SmackDown. Oh, but think about it, Billy. If we did, then we could do a timeline of all the women who came into the Diva Search. What? Because most of the successful women of the Diva Search, much like Tough Enough, didn't win. They're yeah. the women who came in, and that's interesting. Here, Candice Michelle, she was probably, I'd say, one of the most, you know, biggest names that came out of it. She got a big Playboy spread. She had a Women's Championship run. She was their poster girl for many years. They, posi- you know, they positioned her as you know the hottest woman on television. And she's not even in the contest yet. And they're showing her and the eventual winner, Christy Hemi. Mm. Like, they're showing them so much in this, you know that they think they're the winners already. We get my soft moan of the night. Yay! I- <laughs> during this Diva Search segment. Which is, is hosted by Coach, by the way, who has got big, enthusiastic YouTuber at the porn convention energy. Yeah, and it's Coach who delivers the soft moan of the night. Coach makes a noise like a puffer fish eating a carrot. There's a girl in a bikini, and uh, I'll get slightly closer to the microphone to do this. Oh. oh. <laughs> he makes that noise. Now, hang on a second. You can't dangle puffer fish eating a carrot like a carrot in front of a puffer fish and not tell me if that's real or not. Is that a real noise? Yeah, oh no. If you go on YouTube now and yes! search puffer fish eating a carrot, it's a Japanese chef preparing fugu, but when it's still alive, and he gives it a bit of carrot. It takes a bite and it's fine. He gives it a second bit when it's like its mouth is still full and it sort of rejects it. Going, oh. See, 
this is what I like about the soft moan of the night. You know, Adam's got his grunge of the night. You got the soft moan of the night. I often try and do a gloop of the night, but yours is the only one that comes with illustrated examples. Yes. Now, now I try to sometimes with gloop of the night draw comparisons with when I've had a runny nose and no tissues. And they've all got edited out because it's too disgusting and revealing. So I'm glad, Billy, that at least one of our segments has got some legitimacy. <laughs> and it has an animal animal tie for the zoologist. I like that. I like seeing pufferfish on the podcast about goddamn time. Hey, how about that Yakuza hostess management simulation ass music? the lyrics i put on a dress let down my hair perfume <laughs> yeah, yeah. that is the order in which you will uh, do things it's so cringeworthy yes and yet i know it's not the most cringeworthy diva surge segment that's no because they do it in front of an audience there they make them sit in a cake yes uh, the rock the rock is there at one point as well it's, it's hideously awkward I, I, the one thing i will say in their defense they did stuff with the male tough enough contestants on SmackDown around this time mm. that was similar in its intent to embarrass. Right. But the intent with these women is not to embarrass, it's to titillate. And very often how Vince McMahon and WWE want you to be titillated is by embarrassing the women. But there was something a little bit sad and weird and just made me go, ugh. I was not very much invested in this segment, but when the blonde lady turned and went, the second round now, some people have been eliminated. The second round is going to be swimwear and bikinis. And I don't think anyone's eaten today yet. <laughs> oh. That was just like, all right, I guess, because, you know, obviously if you're going to do a shoot, you want to just eat right beforehand. But you don't want to be advertising the fact that these women in bikinis are literally starving themselves to get on television. But they phrase it so weird. This, oh, this is the other thing. They're not getting a WWE contract if they win, or they're not going to the Diva Search. Do you remember how they phrased it if they did well? No, not at all. You're going to New York City. Ah, yes. You're going to New York City. We'll have more from the Diva Search later on. Jerry Lawler comes back. Woohoo! Woohoo! Woo! Yeah. Woo! Woo hoo hoo hoo! He liked them. He liked that bit with the women. He did. That's his favourite. <laughs> I can tell. Coming up now, and that's great. You go from to Randy Orton versus Chris Jericho for the Intercontinental Championship. I'm glad we're watching this on the network for men that understand our menly interests. <laughs> and what what's this brought to us by Kevin? Oh man, right. Not only have we got Nokia Engage QD, our other sponsor tonight is fucking Catwoman. Yeah, oh, baby. baby. And because Jerry Lawler is still on a cool day after using his hoo-hoo-hoo buff, JR has to do the line for the men at home, and he goes, Oh, man, Halle Berry. I don't need that, Jim. I don't yeah. need that. Halle Berry in Catwoman doesn't need you going, Oh, man, to sell it. Or she needs a like whole that. lot more. <laughs> that whole movie needs a whole lot more. What we need is more backstory for Sharon Stone's character. Why did she take the special face cream that made her face like marble? Why, why, why did it happen in the? Fr I don't know. We needed Catwoman two or a prequel starring Sharon Stone's character to get to the bottom of this. I mean, I think it's very gracious of WWE to advertise a rival comics movie in DC's mm. 
stalwart Catwoman franchise when the Marvel Extended Cinematic Pre-Universe has only got Blade Trinity on the horizon. Yeah, this is now, this is a time before this is before the MCU. That's crazy, isn't it? Oh my god! I fucking Triple H in in a in a vampire movie. Adam has been teasing me with this. Show me pictures and clips, and we're gonna have to do a commentary track on it at some point eventually. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But I wondered. This is my theory. You know, Triple H looks. I'm not trying to body shame or anything. Triple H looks like shit at this point. Mm. I'm not saying because he's put on weight or anything. He looks tired. He looks malnourished. His eyes have got fucking circles. He's got like someone's run a Sharpie all over him with these lines in his forehead. He looks fucking miserable. He's wearing a giant suit. He looks slow. He looks sad. And I wondered if it's because he was on an all blood diet to be in character for Blade Trinity. And it's kind of slowed him down a little bit now he's full of blood you or know? do we know if triple h is allergic to dogs because he is carrying a pomeranian for the entire movie that is very true that could you know what he was going for as well he was going they were going to do the new conan movie in 04 and triple h was earmarked for it do you think he was tacking on mass to be conan Ooh, very possible because they then decided no we want schwarzenegger to do it and then decided no we'd rather not make the movie at all and they didn't triple h would be a terrible conan he would have been so fucking bad but look he got to do it anyway if you piece together half of his wrestlemania entrances it's yeah. pretty much the same plot as conan the destroyer except there's not a mirror man at the end our third sponsor for this match is burger king where we get a really uh low energy like from jr saying speaking of burger king will a challenger here in his hometown have it his way. Wow. Wow. That's... Fu- JR's off tonight. He looks... He cuts the camera. He's, he's a bit sweaty and hot under the collar. Like. He's nervous about Eugene as well. I think that might be it. He's like, he knows he's going to be in so many segments tonight. Like. Jericho has got the distinct advantage in this. Not only has he got the hometown, he also has the buff from receiving the Order of the Buffalo Hunt. The greatest honor that anyone can receive in Manitoba. Yeah. And previous recipients included the Pope... Archbishop Desmond Tutu. You know, we got big names taking it. And then straight away they ruined it by having Jerry go, What's more important, the Intercontinental Championship or the Order of the Buffalo Hunt? I'm like, don't do that yeah. to Manitoba, guys. I thought, like, <laughs> I thought they said it was a, it was an honor that can only be received by native Manitobans. So I didn't know, like, I thought they said that. So obviously that's not the case if Desmond Tutu and the Pope got hit. Yeah, the Pope just jacked his fucking fake. He can get fake papers. He can get any order yeah. he wants. He's got a big keychain with all the keys to the city of places he's never even been as a result. JR has to fucking do some gentle political balancing here. Mm. Well, the, the Intercontinental... The Intercontinental Championship would probably be more um, important professionally for Chris Jericho, but the Order of the Buffalo Hunt is an extremely important honor in its own right we're already two minutes into the match at this point low energy lads low fucking energy crowd or nuclear they're doing house show stuff and it works it's like jericho every time he does a big move he's like turning to, to randy going what's this kid he does a big taunt and was like yay it's a long match i think i was able to see through the house show pageantry a little bit yeah and think that it probably wasn't as good as the crowd were reacting to it but i'm a sucker for a hot crowd so i really yeah enjoyed myself. There, there was a nice back and forth from these two like i think my my favorite move of this match was the running in Sigiri that jericho gave to randy it was yeah. a very smooth little kick there 
And there's lots of moments like that where like Jericho's going to do, you know, moves that normally don't get interrupted. Yeah. It's how you know that he trusts Randy or Randy is is all that in a bag of chips because Jericho's doing things like the the corner dropkick spot, but Randy catches him with a dropkick himself midair. And it's very, very smooth. I love the bits then when like Batista came. This was actually probably an indictment of the angle earlier with Edge when Batista tried to run interference and then you had Jericho versus the world. He, he fights off Randy. He runs over. He does the drop kick to Batista on the outside. Mm. And it's like, uh, the crowd are into it. I'm like, whoa, we had a blonde Canadian earlier try and do this and you fucking hated it. Why is it about this yeah. guy you love so much? I, I don't know. Jericho's just a much Jericho's more just a character. higher level, isn't he? he I, I think he's just been given a bit more freedom and he's a bit more... Like, Edge's character as a face is a bit fucking dour here, I guess. But something that did uh, confuse me was when JR referred to Randy Orton as a Hollywood thoroughbred. What's that mean? I think that means he's, like, destined for greatness in the silver screen. Is that what they think? What, 20 rounds too? <laughs> or, or when he was the baddie in That's Who I Am, the movie where... He has to be like the, the the dad of a bully, and so you can be like, "Oh, bullies' dads are usually bullies themselves." Right, and that was as close as he got to Hollywood. So I think they thought Randy had more stuff in, and maybe didn't realize that right beside him, Dave Batista was there. Camera cut to Batista yeah. going, "You're you're a loser, Chris Jericho." <laughs> There's Mister Fucking Hollywood right there. The the finish of this match is so complicated. I loved it. I loved it. it, it and it's obviously, like you said before, that Jericho has a lot of faith in Randy because yeah, you couldn't you couldn't do this particular finish with anybody because there's so many tiny little moments have to get exactly right. So you tell me, Billy, that Sylvain Grenier ain't going to be doing this. He ain't going to be doing. Don't this. you know I'm green? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot he said that. That's uh, my favorite thing. What are you doing? Don't you know I'm green? Who did he That's... say that to? This is the thought of him like, why did you take away the mirror from me? Don't you know I'm green? (laughs) But yeah, this is amazing. You got Batista getting drop kicked. Randy goes for the RKO. Jericho reverses it into the walls of Jericho. And then that gets reversed. Randy goes for the RKO again. And then we get a roll up. Randy gets his feet on the ropes so quick. This is all within five seconds, it feels like. Absolutely amazing. The only downside is. They obviously gave you a lot here. This was borderline pay-per-view quality, this match. And at the end, Jericho clearly got bust up a bit. They, you know, he got caught on the mm. mouth. And bloody nose and bloody mouth can sometimes look really, really good. We cut to Chris Jericho with his perfect Ruby Woo red lipstick. That blood fell down the contours and side of his lips all around to the other side like, yo, it's on fleek, Jericho, is what I'm saying. It's, it, it looked unfortunately perfect for what they were attempting to achieve. I had a big laugh at Jericho's very red mouth at the end of I this. can't say I noticed it. Oh, I'll, have to, I'll have to go back and have a look. I, I, I think what it was is I paused and I went to get a coffee and I came back and he was right there on the screen. And I was like, all right, there he is. Ruby red lipstick Chris Jericho. Great L match. Sets up Batista and Jericho at the pay-per-view, all the glimpses we get into this Vengeance pay-per-view just makes me think, man, these Raw and SmackDown-only pay-per-views back in 04, there's some weird fucking shit on there. Yeah. <laughs> Backstage, the greatest segment of all time! This this is the segment of the... Uh, obviously, the musical chairs is number one. 
Yeah. This is the second segment of the night for me. Oh, so fucking brilliant. We're back in the bounce house, and who's in there with Eugene? It's none other than the King of Kings, the bouncer of bounces. It's Triple H. He's he's making obviously he's come to Eugene's office to to plot and make plans, but Eugene will only do it if he's bouncing inside the castle. And you've got Triple H just there plotting his evil his evil plans whilst bouncing and while Eugene barely pays attention. I fucking love as well that he works heel in the bounce house. Like he has he knows he had his shoes on mm. still. That's working that's old yeah. school heel heat right there. You work the bounce house, you put the shoes on. You know, that's the funks used to do that down in Florida. They jump on any bouncy house and they'd be wearing them cowboy boots as well. They'd pop half of them in the territory. The pratfall <laughs> yes. as Triple H decides, okay, enough's enough. Thanks for your time, Eugene. I'll see you in a minute. Him trying to <laughs> him trying to get out of the the bounce house is so funny. He's less leaves the bounce house and he's more like ingested from the bounce yeah. house. It's like it shits him out. And he's like, <laughs> he is so ungraceful here. And again, Triple H is looking a bit rough for wear here. Mm. And him having to do this promo with with Rick Flair, he's like, I've just been in with Eugene. In the bounce house, and the plan to get the world title back is that I'm going to become friends with Eugene, and then we'll be in a bounce house together, and then they'll put the world championship back on me. <laughs> it was so shit. It was so funny, and it was so perfect. Yeah, it I was love great. it. And Rick's pissed as well. He's like, why are Tony Eugene? I'll ring around the Rothy. I'll buy a fifth cut out. They're like teasing the scent with with yeah. Rick and Triple H yeah. already, which is pretty interesting. Flair wants to know if he's he got rid of the Eugene and him versus La Resistance match from Vengeance, and Hunter just says, "Oh, sorry, I forgot." We didn't get around to it, like. <laughs> but it was an item on the agenda. I love as well their really crap T-shirts. Did you see what they had on them? No. It was a, a sexy lady in a big cocktail glass, and it said "Evolution," and underneath gentleman's establishment now what does that I even just, mean it's a strip club for a gentleman's club for evolution now immediately i just thought it'd be all guys and like one girl like it'd be all guys in there i'll go like yeah we're in a strip club <laughs> like yeah i want to go to evolution's gentleman's establishment and hang out with batista and randy orton and mark jindrak before they got rid of him in those segments Sound, sound, sounds like fun. Are you having a drink, Triple H? Oh, no, that's all right. Oh, just, <laughs> do you want to watch some of the, Oh, no, sorry, you're married. And you as well, Rick. And you as well, Dave. Well, Randy, that doesn't mean you and I can't go sag. I mean, yeah, just the two of us then, is it? Jeez, you're a good bit younger than me, Randy. I feel a bit awkward being now. I'll just, I'll get my coach, I think. You know, you know you're young. Have a good night. Have a good night. I, d- I don't think a, a gentleman's club called Evolution would be uh, would be very popular. Yeah, and I don't think Motorhead coming into a strip club. (laughs) And welcome to the stage, please. Lemmy! (laughs) Yeah, an exotic dancer isn't going to be able to get any sort of rhythm while, like, the Ace of Spades is playing, like... Uh, and cue all the Morehead fans. Lemmy could. He's great. He could could have stripped to the Ace of Spades and made it work. (laughs) You know, and he could slowly reveal his boil, you know, ooh, a little bit of tantalum. Ooh, what's that? Ooh. Ric Flair and Eugene and Triple H, and I quote, an aptly named 
and Eckley Names Handicap Match versus Eggs Benoit later on tonight. Yeah, uh, yeah, great job, Triple H. I don't think I want to see Eugene with Evolution, but that's our main event. That's as main events go. Not too, not too bad. That's an interesting combination. If you're gonna do the gimmick of him being the the general manager or guest general manager yeah you can't just do business as usual you have to have something weird this is weird to the point of being definitely off-putting and i think you know we did a summer sam 05 where eugene took on kurt angle which was fucking weird but this is building towards a eugene triple h match which i've not seen since i saw that pay-per-view originally back in the day I, that's got to be fucking weird, man. Yeah. That's going to be weirder than him and Kurt, surely. Yeah, I definitely think so. Caption, caption, contest, contest. Oh my good lord, it's a caption contest. Never before seen in the history of caption contest. It's me, Kevin, in the future, joined by future Billy Keeble, no less. Oh, it's weird. You've, you've, it, there's so many questions I have about this void that, that you seemingly go into with Adam. It is. It's this nice little time void and what happens is you'll never age, but you'll never experience joy, true joy either. So Yeah, and I can hear like the whisperings of podcasts past. Like I can hear I can hear nugget, nugget, nugget. And <laughs> come, come, come. Like it's, it's all around me. Send us animal crossing fruit, fruit, fruit. <laughs> <laughs> All that stuff that will never age. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett's never coming back. back. Back, 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 back. Well, today it's a very special caption contest indeed. Today's caption contest features one of the greatest, almost iconic moments in the history of silly wrestling, if that's your thing. This is on the Mount Rushmore of silly wrestling things. Billy, describe for us, please, the picture du jour. We've got our musical chairs in the middle, and then uh, they are surrounded by our competitors, Chris Jericho, Ric Flair, Jerry Lawler, Tyson Tomko, Tajiri, Coach and Stacy Keebler. Like, if there ever was an image to basically say the mid 2000s, yeah, that's it, pretty much it. And like, everyone yeah. looks really pissed off to be there, apart from Jerry, he's got a little smirk. Yeah, you should put like an Xbox in there as well, and I'll be like, <laughs> yeah, that's it, perfect, exactly it. So, today's caption contest is sponsored by Sequelize It, a movie review rewatch podcast. Each and every episode, Casey, Chris, and Backlash go on a journey to tackle the triumphs and dissect the disasters of modern movie franchises. Billy, this is a podcast all dealing with the world of sequels, which is a world that is rich, fertile ground for commentary, if there ever was one. Yeah, for certain, yeah. Already they have tackled big old franchises like Star Wars, Indiana Jones and have also declared that they will never review Harry Potter the greatest movie franchise of all time <laughs> Billy it's an absolute ride of a time to try and draw a thread all the way from episode one all the way to the last Jedi because you're starting with the best and you're ending with the second best it's really <laughs> difficult obviously you know uh, Billy any particular favourite movie franchises with needlessly large amounts of sequels I mean when you get to something that has a lot of sequels it, it, it inevitably goes to shit but like some some that stand out for me are Children of the Corn there's like five I think there's like, like 12 children what there's like 12 They've they continued. There's been there's been remakes. There's been remakes of remakes. There's been sequels to those remakes. There's been like twelve Children of the Corn movies, and then you you also have the inevitable moment where uh, you have to go to space in horror. So there's there's been Critters Four in space. 
Oh, I thought you were going to tell me there was space children of the corn. Like, yeah, <laughs> no, children of the corn never went to space, unfortunately. Obviously, and got, that's why the franchise died. You got Jason X. So Friday the Thirteenth, ten in space. Hellraiser was in space at one point. Oh, wait, so so Jason X, that is the tenth one because I yeah. just thought it was like, oh, you know, that tells you how two thousands it was because you could just throw an X on anything. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, like I'll be X grand, I'll, like, I'll be you know? completely wrong now, but I'm pretty sure it's the tenth entry. I tell you what, be a fan, you know, if we're moving away from horrible into actually like really good franchises that have redeemed themselves. I'm talking Rocky all the way through to Creed Two. There's a franchise that you can, you know, you got a nice piss break in the middle for Rocky Five, obviously, but the rest of it, pretty stellar stuff indeed. Yeah, you don't have to watch, you know, him having a street fight with Tommy Gunn. Never happened. Never <laughs> happened. Although Tommy Gunn did make more of an impact in the world of wrestling than Bart Gunn ever managed to do. Yes, he did. Sequelize it is available wherever you get your podcasts. Google, Spotify, you name it. Apple, you can check them out there, or follow them on the old social media. Ash sequelizes. Check him out. Friends of the podcast. A fab time indeed. And a chill time as always with the sequelized gang. Billy, I've got some captions from the Facebook and you went into the Twitter. Now, peek behind the scenes here. The fucking professional Billy Cable over here. All right. He's coming out. He's got his captions in a fucking case like a Halliburton. <laughs> Tell the people how you've prepared your captions. Well, I've got them in a nice little word document. All, Can you believe All it? unified in font and size. <laughs> Whoa, Billy! Hey, and let me tell you, have you justified that text? Uh, I haven't, but let me just do that right now. Come here to me now, go on. Oh, baby, we're justified. There we go. So for the first time ever, you've got legitimate captions being read out. Justified captions. Each one of these captions is justified in its own way. It's as okay? justified as Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> Starting off here, over on the Facebook, Derek McLeod, Jerry Lawler exuding unmatched confidence here, having won numerous games of musical chairs at a girlfriend's birthday parties in the early 90s. <laughs> I actually had a, a a tweet that was like that from Andrew Rich that said, Jerry is a master at musical chairs. He plays it at his girlfriend's parties all the time. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it's, it's a fabulous idea. So nice that it's happened twice. Oh, don't be sad. You might make varsity next year. <laughs> Over here, I've got Michael McDonald. Bro, I swear to God, we'll get the entire roster to walk around some chairs, and then we put the music stopping, the butts will be in the seats. I mean, it's one step away from a reverse battle royale, this. You know, it is Russo-esque in its own manner. And I'm genuinely surprised he never did that. Musical chairs. Yeah, like, I'm surprised he never did, like, a party games kind of thing. You know why? I think it's because even when Russo would get, you know, he would get downright goofy. But I don't know if he would get, like, jovial, childlike silliness. Because, as we said in the episode, there's kind of a purity of silliness here with this, in spite of Jerry Lawler being on my screen right now. I I also get the impression that Vince Russo wasn't invited to children's parties as a kid. He showed a load of VHS. <laughs> Where can I put these on? The kids gotta know about Critters 4. <laughs> From Noah Leveland, we have This was not the first time a famous Chris asked Jerry Lawler, Why don't you have a seat? <laughs> <laughs> Matt Stevenson here. AEW just set the wrestling business back 30 years. <laughs> You know what? I hope that when we get to the 30th anniversary of this, the AEW does something really like salacious, like have a match with a bump. 
and then the rest can go back 30 years so we can have musical chairs again. Yeah, absolutely. And I just thought, whilst talking about that comment about setting wrestling back 30 years, I don't understand how you can, how you as a company can say that and then have that fucking zombie match at WrestleMania Backlash. I mean, that was setting the, that was course correction, Billy, because <laughs> what they have is an idea that will set the wrestling industry forward 60 years. So it's like a, it's like a double negative kind of thing. Exactly. You had to do, it's, it's addition by subtraction first, <laughs> is basically it. They're obeying the rules of BEMDAS is what's happening. James Miller here. You know, the way these chairs are all lined up, it's kind of like uh, musical tombstones. <laughs> from, uh, from our boy James Leach, the first meeting of Jerichoholics Anonymous was off to a rocky start once it became very clear Jerry had smuggled in his personal batch of Jericho. <laughs> What's the matter, you two cool to have some Jericho? <laughs> Sam Hayden here. Jim Cornette was so infuriated by this segment that his already high-pitched voice got so high that only dogs know his opinion on this and they only give one word as an explanation. Rough. <laughs> you got the Cornette burn, you got the dog joke. Yeah, absolutely. I like the, I like the whole damn thing. Yeah, that's a good one. From Nick, the latest team of Power Rangers are severely disappointed in their Megazord. <laughs> Wait, in this, is the Megazord the chairs? <laughs> yeah, there's the chairs, and I'll just make one bigger chair. I'm sorry, but Tyson Tomgo's got a big putty patrol energy there. He does, yeah. His hips he like does. a fucking goon. <laughs> Shay Fox here. Well, basically, we might as well do musical chairs and reminisce about how season four hasn't finished yet. <laughs> you know, Billy, not a day goes by that I don't think, you know what, I'm glad I started the COVID-19 pandemic so people couldn't get a wrestling podcast. And as you know, we've released no episodes at all in that no. time. No content whatsoever, including this. We, we did it purely so, you know, to screw over Bret Hart. So we wouldn't have that conversation, you know, in Survivor Series. We did it so we wouldn't have to have that conversation. <laughs> no, what we should do is you and I should just gang up now and, like, pin it on Adam. Like, at the next record, we'd be like, there stands the man who gave me the keys to the lab in Wuhan. <laughs> From for Kit's sake, well, this game of musical chairs sure is a treat, but you know what else is a treat? Omaha Steaks. Build your perfect assortment of meats and use my code TALKISJERICHO for $75 off your next order. You know what? That probably still works, that code. So yeah, I you know, definitely couldn't, couldn't harm it. giving it a whirl, like, you know? Kyrie Crawford here. All these 90s TV references, and we've never had blind date. Shock fucking horror. It was a staple, uh, Billy, of my Saturday afternoon viewing back in the day. Bachelor number three says he is staying a power. He'll be around for decades. Bachelor number two says he's ready to kickstart some passion. Bachelor number one is Tomko. I don't know. Do with that what you will, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to love a little bit of a blind date. She's a journalist, ladies and gentlemen. That's one of the greatest bits of British TV ever. <laughs> you know what, as well? Scylla Black wouldn't take any of Tyson Tomko's shit. She'd stand up to him as well, like that journalist, wouldn't yeah, she? Yeah, absolutely. Mr. Motherfucking Fresh, we have, and join us this Friday and watch Roman Reigns continuously run around a round table to find his place as head of it. <laughs> From Wrestling Memes, Musical chairs, but the participants don't know it's how WWE works out who gets hired and fired. <laughs> I mean, like, a bit of a roll of the dice here. I mean, ain't looking too hot for Tomko and Tajiri at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> 
the Puro Pori podcast says, I haven't seen this many empty seats since the last NXT UK taping. And as we all know, that's nothing to do with the COVID pandemic. It's simply for everyone's safety. It's better off that way. Just don't go. Like, yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Kieran Shannon Walsh. Things go a bit awry when Jerry Lawler is allowed to pick his own jury. <laughs> <laughs> From the most evil starfish in the galaxy, the WWE remake of Take Me Out gets off to a bad start. <laughs> no, Aki! I oh, see, no, like, yeah, just doing Ric Flair impressions, just Ric Flair would improve everything. He would, I think he could stick Ric Flair into pretty much any 90s TV show or any naughty's movie, and immediately, I'm, I'm good to go here. Give me Wild Wild West with Ric Flair, you cowards. Nathan Rothwell. King sentence. There's a lot of talk about like this is like somehow like Jerry Lawler's like you know intervention like a, or a Lord of the Flies scenario <laughs> or something where everyone rises up against Jerry Lawler. Nathan Rothwell here. King's sentence included a court-ordered mandate that he must never be alone in the ring with a woman unless at least surrounded by five other superstars or at the very least one Tomko. <laughs> From Tom Albano. The professional wrestling world has taken quite a fall since the golden age, when number one contenders would be determined by way of Duck Duck Goose. Oh no, whoa, here. You doing Duck Duck Goose in wrestling, that's a whole other fucking ballgame, because that's I've I've seen I've seen first blood drawn in Duck Duck Goose. <laughs> <laughs> that shit's fucking hardcore, like. I th- I do think as a as a teenager we did play hardcore Duck Duck Goose once in the park. Whereas it's I, basically how you know when someone's too ornery to go to a child's birthday party anymore yeah. and they start fucking, you know, laying it in. Like, yeah, yeah, I've had to give a receipt in Duck Duck Goose, Billy, is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I think we stopped playing because someone literally got drop kicked in the back. Okay, all right, now. That's your, springboards are not allowed and drop kicks are not allowed in Duck Duck Goose. These are the rules. Josh Sparrowhawk here has got a cracker, but I have to say, it does necessitate doing a Tyson Tomko impression. Which I'm just going to hold my hands up right now and say, I'm not going to risk any sort of notoriety as an impressionist by even attempting. I don't even know what the... Has he ever spoken? I, I couldn't tell you what his voice is like. Has he really, really spoken? I'm not sure. I'm not going to risk it. From Jordan, bigger Vince to let Al Snow announce the latest round of releases on live TV. <laughs> Little Neko Jackson here. Last night, I was home in the big house. On the big side of town, and I called Eugene on the phone and said, Woo! I booked myself a winner. Music stops, everyone gets a seat while Rick viciously elbow drops his own jacket. <laughs> oh, Rick! I told you not to get into it. Uh, we have a good one here. So it's one we like to see in the caption contest. It's one someone does not focus on the... on." The main subject at hand, they go slightly askew to the side. So in the top, this is when they've got one in the chamber already before the captions even posted. So, is what you're so saying about? There's in the top right hand corner. There is if you if you go right in, there's a guy who looks a little bit like Paul Ellering, who has a sign that says Union, and Laser Bones McGraw is like. <laughs> Like eagle-eyed onto that laser focus no less having been banned from the locker room Governor Jesse Ventura is forced to argue for the rights of his fellow wrestlers from afar (laughs) Adam Carter here spirits were high at the AE podcast annual Christmas party until Billy wins the vote for the next party game no (laughs) I'm keep I, I tell you what I've been paying close attention to all the voting that's been going on in the world and I'm just hoping 
that we can have some sort of a mail-in ballot situations because when boys picks comes along again i have to make sure that billy doesn't win so i'm going to steal ballots or put in fake ballots or whatever it is i gotta do to make sure i win this damn thing well then you're gonna find that me and the people are uh, are going to storm your residence in Manchester, Kevin. Just <laughs> <laughs> so see, right, here I am, right, having to try and make out Billy's the bad guy. He's likened himself to a fucking coon. <laughs> right? This is not the man you want deciding our next episode. It's the will of the people, Kevin. <laughs> From Grey, we have, it is a perverse, vile, diabolical structure. It is custom built for injury. The most ominous structure ever erected here. The pain that these men and women are preparing to endure is inhuman. Chris Charnley, up next on the Broken Skull Challenge, you're going to walk around the chairs while the music plays. When that music stops, you all have to sit down real quick. Whoever is left standing is eliminated. I call this grit and sit. James Story here. It's hard to know when to quit this business. Hard to stop chasing that dragon. But the last musical chair... That's an intriguing dragon's chase. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got two final ones then to read. All right, roll this up here. So final two here on Twitter. First from Rob T. And I said to Brother Paul, get some chairs, but I only want there to be enough chairs for all but one of those people to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> Special shout out. We got a lot of uh, stone cold ones here. A lot of, lot of you know, takes on this being a broken school challenge. Shout out to JD Renault, who referred to it as chair busters (laughs) (laughs) and uh, finally from butts in seats podcast who says i know writers who use up subtext and they're all cowards (laughs) well that's gonna do it for the caption contest uh big thank you mr billy keeble for joining me on the caption contest for the first time ever it's been an absolute treat it has been lovely thank you to our several hundred responses for our caption contest a whole shed load of them. We only got through a very few, but thank you all for sending them in as always. There'll be more caption contests coming with all of our episodes as usual. And another shout out again. Thank you to Sequelizers for sponsoring the caption contest. Make sure you give them a check out. And if you have a project, a podcast, YouTube series, website, a product, a thing, something that you've made and you're proud of and you want to get in front of our tens of thousands of listeners here in the Attitude podcast, hit us up on the old Patreon page or inquiries to Attitude Podcast at gmail.com you too can sponsor the caption contest and get a shout out for your stuff but for now billy let's uh i'll show you the way here i have to breadcrumb trail there's a way out of this void just be careful and okay. uh, don't look at the lights all right because they will drag you back to 2014 and you won't know what's going on all right uh. so that's all i'm mosey on out of here see you next time way it's time for a smackdown recap oh my god you know what you grow up, you love JBL as a wrestling character, and then you read a big book about US presidents and you realize JBL's referencing fucking Ronald Reagan in his promo because he's won the WWE Championship, which means it's morning again in America. Fuck me, man. I love this. It's such a great character. It's so good. Joe walked in and she saw this and she knows like JBL is a commentator. And she's always said she thinks that when we do a JBL episode, she's really going to like it because the character seems really interesting. And, like, JBL is probably a person who, if I met him in real life, I'd think he was a dick. I don't agree with any of his politics. I think he's, you know, a mm. bully, etc. All that jazz. But I will always be impressed with his ability to, in 2004 to go, I'm a right-wing fucking Texan and life is great for me. Why don't I poke a bit of fun 
at my own people, like as mm. in the right wing establishment, the George Bushes of the world. It's pretty masterful stuff. JBL and Eddie are feuding at the moment on SmackDown. Yeah, we had Great American Bash, which I believe is the one where Eddie gushed blood. It's either Bash or Judgment Day, but there was a lot. There was a lot of blood, yeah. and you could tell from JBL as well because he had a Michael Cole goatee-shaped gash <laughs> in the front of his head, where all that blood did come from. They're having a cage match to blow it off, and they're giving away on SmackDown. I can't fucking believe that. That's ridiculous. Oh yeah, also in other news, Paul Bear is dead in kayfabe. Yeah, he got buried. He got buried in what appears to be my breakfast this morning. Well, it looks like a big yummy bowl of porridge, doesn't it? Oh man, you know what? If you're gonna do me like Paul Bear, do the big ro- rolled oats. Don't be giving me your fucking shitty little pinwheel oats. What? I want proper rolled oats, what, please. What do you want on top? Do you want berries? Do you want syrup? Um, I, actually, you know what? The way I have it right now, Joe got me Biscoff topping, which is Ooh. meant to go on ice cream. But because it's meant to go on ice cream, it's not very sweet. It's not so not to interfere with the mm. sweetness of the ice cream. So it's almost like having a, not not savory, but very almost savory biscuit level of porridge. Ooh. Bury me in that, please. And you'll be like, I'm sorry, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> no choice. And uh, Paul Heyman is, you know, saying, you know, it's thanks to me that, that Paul Bear is dead. Undertaker's, you know, I've shown him the light. Uh, unfortunately, not Undertaker's. You know, if if I was do that to somebody I love, what would I do to you, Paul? Now, I'm pretty sure this leads to Heidenreich debuting, but like, I can't terms, remember, but it must. I think it does. Like they're going for this whole thing, like Heyman and Undertaker going to team up, which is genuinely really interesting. As a kid, I wanted it to mm. happen. I I wanted ECW Undertaker, man. <laughs> Imagine the dead man with a coffin made of barbed wire, dudes, and then it set on fire. But yeah, they obviously had no direction here. They just wanted to fucking do shit, and yeah. they didn't want to have Paul Bear on screen anymore, so they buried him in oatmeal and then brought him back a few years later and put him in a freezer. I, Thanks I, for your service, Paul. Was that like the last time he ever appeared on screen? Yes. He never appeared on screen again. That's crazy. He, he, well, no, not when he, when Edge killed him again. That was the last time. Okay. Yes. But the thing was with Edge, it was a running gag where every week he would kill Paul Bear. Like it was like Tim White, but instead of a suicide, it was a murder. Okay. You know? So which was very, it was very, very funny indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I also popped big time on our SmackDown recap where Michael Cole joylessly tells us also next week on SmackDown. John Cena takes on Booker T in a physical matchup. Yo. Yes, physical. <laughs> My favorite. Oh, Billy, the women are having a match, which means they better all be in the ring already, and you better not give them entrances. They don't even tell us their names. It, it was Nidia? I had to look up. It was Nidia? I had to look it up. It was Victoria, Nidia, and Molly Holly. Because Nidia is, is looking very different to how yeah. you're used to seeing it. This is post- Jamie Noble angle. Nidia was very briefly on Raw. They leaned into her Puerto Rican heritage, mm. had her start speaking in Spanish in promos. Nothing really ever came of it. Nidia has done interviews recently, though, which is very... I, if we ever return to the world of Tough Enough, I think we could talk a little bit more about uh, Nidia and where she ended up in the world of wrestling. But we have a very quick explanation. I'm not sure if Eugene booked this. It's an envelope on a pole match. Yeah, proper... We're... We're Vince Russoing it up here now. Not a contract on a pole, an envelope on a pole, and inside that envelope is a contract. So why not call it contract? <laughs> envelope on a pole. And no answers for these three women who are wrestling for a chance to 
become women's champion. We do get a big entrance for Trish Stratus, the women's champion, who has a broken hand, and they will not take this belt off her while her hand is broken yeah. because that's what they think of the women's championship, I guess. And uh, she's got Tomko as her enforcer. Yeah, Tomko, who uh, on on loan from Christian. Now, the fucking patter or lack thereof between Jerry, heel Trish Stratus, and Jim Ross. No, it's cringe. Jesus Christ almighty. Like, if this is a podcast, I genuinely worry about the future of our medium. You know, Mm. this was so fucking bad. Whose fault was it, do you think? I don't know. I feel like Trish is a bit off. Because even even when... Because we'll have a segment in a bit with with her and Lita. And and Trish is so un-Trish in that segment as well. I think Trish is having a bad day. Yeah, I mean, she's got a crushed hand. You can yeah. actually see, she has that little cast. You can see up her forearm. There's a big, nasty bruise going all mm. the way up to her, her elbow joint. How did she do that? Fucking hard. I've no idea. I think it happened on a house show or something like Ooh. that. You know, my, my, my mind thought it's because Jazz put her hand in a wheelie case, but that was like years prior mm. to this. So the match is very, very, very nothing. And it's, it's because of the, the presentation of it. The presentation of the women, you know, as we saw in our last episode, we literally roll the dice and you go to a random episode three or four months later and it's exactly the same. Bad presentation. They're teaching the fans not to care. And surprisingly, yeah. it works. Yeah. They're a lot more interested in that diva search than they are these women who are here wrestling. Still enjoy seeing Molly Holly with her wig that's been like strapped around her chin. I, I still enjoy seeing Molly doing that. But oh yeah, it's a great gimmick. It's just a complete non-match. I don't think Victoria does a thing. She does one thing where she knees Nidia. There's a spot where she knees Nidia with the knee brace, and they got a big pop from the crowd, and Nidia took the bump off the mm. contract. But that's pretty much it. It was it wasn't sloppy, you know. But you've got two excellent workers in there in Victoria and Molly. It was overall as awkward as the commentary was, and as unenthusiastic as the commentary was. Nidia gets the contract. And then Trish comes out and in this kind of weird, quick blink and you'll miss it. Look at my ID. No, it's not a bag of matches. It is an ID. You know, yeah. flash it in front of you. Trish is like, the contract says it's a championship match whenever I say so, right? Uh, yeah, it is. Is it? Yeah, it is. Ring the bell. And she hits Nidia with her cast and then wins. Yeah. Like, heel who has a broken hand going, ha-ha, and then hitting someone with their cast. I like that. That's good. Mm. But this was a very very convoluted quick so it makes it completely pointless i mean it was when, when we watched this year's elimination chamber i said the same thing to you after daniel bryan won only to immediately you know the outcome nidia's not going to beat trish no exactly daniel bryan's exactly. not going to beat roman reigns at least have um, have a bit of a match and tell a story then have it lose because if it's an immediate end it just makes it everything before it pointless yeah, and it doesn't bode very well for Nidia where it's like, this is her one run or chance she has working against like the top woman or whatever. Yeah. And it's kind of like just busy work for Trish while her hand heals up. And you didn't need Trish on the show with her broken hand. You really didn't, no. you know? And, and yes, for people at home, I did just compare Nidia to Daniel Bryan. Yes, finally! <laughs> you know Billy? I'm glad someone's brave enough to finally do that, you know? Uh, there's a lot of people out there who are not going to believe it, but fuck them, you know? <laughs> We have more diva search bollocks, and all I can tell you is that I'm pretty sure they were going to make a TV show of this, and because you know you see Big John Gaborik mm. back there, you've got like a tough enough camera crew set up here. Yeah, 
but they obviously don't think there's enough in it or they couldn't find a home for it. We have an odd moment where they spit up this pair of twins that they Oh, I felt so bad for her. So, I think they only put them through the first round so they could split them up in the second round. Is that there, right? There's two sets of twins. The first set of twins, both of them get through to the next round. And the second set of twins, one has to go home. And then, like, and then the girl who gets through has to say, Oh, I heard her crying from the other room. And you just see this girl broken in a chair, like looking in a mirror, just like that she hasn't, like, got what her sister's got. I felt so bad for the poor girl. And even sadder when you realize how hungry everyone probably yeah. is in that scene, you know, that's that makes it even more fucking miserable. The way in which they tell them if they are or aren't going through, if you go through, you're going to New York City. Coach doing the gentle put downs where he is like, he is like, he's about to fucking kiss them. He is so close mm. to these women. And he goes, You're amazing. You're beautiful. You're talented. But you're not what we're looking for. And he walks. So it's yeah. twice, twice, and he says it to everyone. And like, they think they're being gentle, but like, it ain't. It, no. It's one of the hard. And I watched a lot of reality TV show. It verges on the more harsh side of eliminations. Let's just say, in spite of the soft moans of yeah. your voice, Jonathan. Get him in two sides of the room and just say, "This side, you're going through. This side, I'm really sorry, guys." But if you want to talk to Johnny Ace about a developmental yeah. contract in Florida, you know, come over with your portfolios. We'll see what we can do for you. Now, Big John is going to offer you a ride home. We advise you don't take it. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. We cut back to Jerry Lawler and JR. Jerry Lawler, who looks genuinely annoyed he didn't get the gig that Jonathan Coachman did. And JR, who looks genuinely hot and bothered. Yeah. We run down... This very odd-looking vengeance card. It doesn't I, look like a good pay-per-view, does it? No, I was going to say it's a Bill's pick if I ever saw it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll but see. The animated match cards, they're bringing them back for WrestleMania this year in 2021. Did you see Triple H's animated match card? I, I, I must have missed it. He slams his fist into his hand. He turns and goes... <laughs> but when he does... Three white lines of ooze leave his upper lip and travel all the way down his chin. It is the gloopiest goddamn thing I have ever seen in my fucking life. Is he a replicant? It it looks a little bit like a replicant. The other theory I had was that he was like, I'm going to do the big triple H spit to camera. And just before he turned, they're like, oh, no, you can't do that. You'll mess up the lens. And then he went, and it all just dribbled down his mouth instead. And Or maybe he'd just been drinking a lot of milk the day before. Very he was possible. extra phlegmy. It was, uh, I would say, do not go out of your way to watch Vengeance, but go out of your way to see the animated match card so you can see Dribble H as well. Hey. Backstage, the old mates, Trish and Tomko, they're having a bloody laugh, aren't they? Having a good time. Yeah, they. Uh, I can't even remember what they're talking about. What is happening here is they, they walk past Lita, who's just looking sad. It looks like the craft table. I think it's forlorn is the word that we're looking for. Yeah. And this was one of those great moments in watching something from 04 where I was like, ha, huh, she's going to say this really hurtful thing here, isn't she? And they're like, no, that's later on. Here, she calls her a slut because she, and I quote, I hear you, you're pregnant and stuff. Yeah. This, this could have been a, this could have been a good segment if like Trish was even bothered to try 
say her lines with any sort of emotion. They do a segment later on after Leah reveals she is pregnant and Trish says that she looks fat. And like mm. that's like I get it, you're trying to keep Trish and Leah, they're the two top women, you keep that feud going. Yeah. This is like this is so fucking bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Like just, and the fact that it's yeah, delivered with no energy. Yeah. No like it's not delivered like wickedly. It's just said like if you had a popular kid in high school who was too stupid to think up of a burn and was passed it by a writer mm. and like, uh yeah, uh you're stupid and smelly. <laughs> it's just like it's just like a sad image, you know, as we said, looking forlorn as Trish walks away and just going Huh. And they called me a slut. Ah, and this is this is right after Leah's back from her serious neck injury, and right before she gets that horrible knee injury. Like she has such a fucking and right around the time of that horrible knee injury, mm. she has such a fucking rough go of it, Leah, around this time. But don't worry, you've got all the slut shaming to look forward to in the Edge and Leah angle coming up after it. What a fucking hot! Ho- I'm dreading doing Leah for how to wrestle. Yeah. That's a second half for her career. And we've got another miscarriage angle. Ah, Billy! That's, Jesus! That, that's what's coming up for Leah. She, this like two-year run for Leah is fucking horrible absolutely one of the worst fucking shit ever worst like from a character perspective and from like the real person this is like it's both are miserable at this time it's so insulting to her character the lita character which means so much to people even at this point in Mm. time like i knew people who were such fucking diehard lita fans it was ridiculous and to do it to amy dumas as well the performer who's done literally nothing to deserve it it's like she's done something really horrible it's like they mistook her heel actions later on for real life evil the only thing that you could that you could possibly try and grab onto to say oh she's not a good person when she did nothing really wrong hasn't even happened yet so why are you doing this to her now Fucking hell. Well, we've got to build up some sympathy for the woman who's having a child against her will, I guess. As if we didn't have any means to do that already. Backstage, Triple H psychs up the newest member of Evolution. He tells Eugene, hell, you are Evolution. And all the people out there who mock you, like Chris Benoit and Edge, they're your sworn enemies. They hate you, just like William Regal also hates you. The fucking face on Eugene here, where it's like—it's great acting. I mean, he's doing a face, Billy. But <laughs> oh, no, like, I, just... I, I, I enjoyed the acting from from Eugene here and during like the Eugene's match. Eugene's frame rate drops. He starts chugging <laughs> when he's turned. He's told all this stuff, and he starts pulling this face that's like jittering around. I don't know. This made me really fucking uncomfortable when Triple H is like, "We're not going to go out there as partners." We're going to go out there as friends. Best and he, friends. He hugs them. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> doing the little Triple H pout at the end as well. And Fuck he says, yeah. you remember when Edge said he was going to take down Evolution earlier? That means you, buddy. He's going to take you down. All right, Billy. Whatever fucking... You know, I get a lot of joy and spirit from doing these episodes with you. Because it's always a giddy fun time. But even I, after that segment, I was feeling a bit down in the dumps. And the WWE Rewind, which is Chris Benoit, whacking the shit out of Eugene yeah. with a chair. By accident. By accident. <laughs> it was Chris Benoit saying it's an accident doesn't make no. me fucking... Alright? I was in a dark fucking place before this match. I was not looking forward to seeing 
Eugene Evolution against Eggs Benoit. Three on two match. I was really down in the dubs. And then JR with the clunker of the night. Shakespeare couldn't write a tragedy as sad as this, King. All right, all right I'm back in. You got me. <laughs> like, from the get-go, it's weird seeing Benoit in this position of being, like... The world champion, mind. Yeah, it's weird seeing Benoit be friendly, for one. And scared to hit people? Yeah. Like that was the gimmick He's here? pleading with Eugene that, like, Eugene's trying to hit him and Benoit's just moving back and putting his arms up and just saying, Eugene, I don't want to fight you at all. They're, they're manipulating you. I don't want any part of this. I don't want to do anything to you. What happened last week, it was a mistake. I'm sorry. It's weird seeing it's you, just, Benoit yeah. like that. I've never seen Benoit like that. It is crazy to think, though. You've got the world champion. You've got the next top youngster there, Edge. You've got the legendary nature boy, Ric Flair, and Triple H, the god of all professional wrestling, he'd have you believe. Mm. And they're all here with one goal in mind, and it's to get Eugene over. And it works in the sense that it got them ratings. But Eugene's reaction in this match, it's too delicate a story with too difficult a character to make Mm. it really work. You know, there is a point in this match where Eugene, he's being booed. And JR goes, you know, this breaks my heart to see this young kid, Eugene, and the fans booing him like this. And Jerry is trying to be the heel. And Jerry's like, well, they're booing him because they know that Eugene, he just wants to beat up the likes of Benoit and Edge. He doesn't care about them. And Jerry's like, oh, come on, King. I'd like to think that these fans know that it's the manipulation of Eugene that they don't like. Cue a massive arena-wide Eugene sucks chant. To which a Eugene, Eugene sucks chant. To which JR just goes, oh, this breaks this poor kid's heart. For fuck's sake. Were, oh. were they saying Eugene sucks? Because what yeah. I heard was Eugene stop. Oh my god, that's somehow better but worse? That's, ah. that's, that's what I've written down. I didn't hear Eugene sucks. I heard, like, because this is when Eugene's going after Benoit and going after Edge. I heard the crowd shouting, Eugene, stop. As if the audience are, are, are trying to get him to stop and see what's happening. You know what it is, Billy? Is they were saying, stop Eugene instead. They just want to stop <laughs> this character. And they were just hoping against hope that maybe it would work. Edge, if you, if you think Edge had no fucking reaction earlier, Jesus Christ, second helping... Second helping of of eggs, no, and they didn't even like eggs in the first place. He gets the hot tag in inverted commas, runs mild. He bops Eugene, which gets a little bit of a pop, which is not really good, I guess. And then he gets all angry because uh, Eugene he's been hit by Edge. He goes in, he's like ah, and he starts like hooking up, and they have like Triple H pulling him back, and you know Jerry going, that's what best friends are for. Ah, oh, Jesus. The road test and the heel turn against Hacksaw, baby. That's what they're doing. The, the heel turn that should never have happened. Oh, I, my God. I do like the stopping and starting from Benoit going from whenever Eugene tags out or tags in. Uh, he'll, he'll, you know, he'll be fighting Triple H or Rick. And, but as soon as Eugene tags in, he'll take a breather, take a step back. But as soon as Eugene tags out again, he, he's back to the Benoit that we know. There is a, a layer here. Honestly, this is probably one of the more unique matches we've ever covered because there is a layer here. There's a story mm. layer that is being told by multiple people in the match. And that definitely, 
is is val- that's worth seeing in its own right. Yeah. I don't. I think the crowd were just a little bit too feisty to make it work, and also. I think there was the palpable sense that we have to send the crowd home with a little bit of something because that long sharpshooter spot was just for the people in Canada. Yes, I yes. Think that, that was there just to, come on, remember Bret Hart? Come on, guys. You know, Eugene grabs a chair, smashes Benoit with this, which makes JR go, bless his heart. Yeah. And then Eugene starts attacking the chair because it's Eugene. Oh, my God. Triple H picking up the win after that. Was and then him grabbing Eugene, being like, ah, and Eugene like being like, ah, ah. it was pretty much a nightmare, Billy. It was not it, a fun time. It did break my heart a little bit when you know the cross face is on. No, it was when the sharpshooter's on, and you know you, Triple H is shouting for him to hit Benoit with a chair, and Benoit's and Edge is saying, no, please don't, and him looking down at Triple H and just going. But he's my friend. Uh, it is. It's. It, there's a little heart heartbreak I had there. It's like, oh, he doesn't know the, the poor lad. Yeah. And then, and it isn't isn't this is the, the thing that in kayfabe flips Regal, isn't it? This is this is the beginning of it. Yeah, because they they have a couple of weeks then where he is using Eugene to help mm. him. But I think what happens is at vengeance we have. Eugene accidentally costing Triple H a match and then Triple H violently turns on Eugene. Right. And then after that, when Eugene makes his return, he costs Triple H the world title. Just so you know, in the fucking midst of 2004, I would actually say the lion's share. Yeah, because by SummerSlam, that's when Benoit drops it to Randy. Jesus Christ, Billy. The vast majority of Chris Benoit's world title run involves Eugene. Eugene to some extent. That's crazy, isn't it? That is fucking weird, man. This episode of Raw had a lot of stuff that almost... I was I was so amazed. It felt like a moment in time was frozen. I felt like 15 or 16 again when I saw that musical chair segment. It was exactly as I remembered it, as good as I remembered it. And there were some moments here and there throughout the episode. But I think... The fact that the best most people can come up with Eugene is to shrug and say it's complicated, I guess. Yeah. It was no more so epitomized yeah. than this main yeah. event. Did it did did watching this this episode do anything for your thoughts on Eugene or help you put that character at least categorize him somewhere in your your mind palace? Yeah, I think so, because obviously two thousand four I was twelve years old. You don't really think about the nuances and you know no you don't you don't think about you know things like depictions of disabled people in the media when you're 12 yeah you know you don't, you don't think about any of that stuff when you're 12 and but I'm looking at it now so I thought you know everything well everything was hunky dory everything has always been hunky dory um <laughs> I think these two episodes have showed me that it it definitely wasn't but I do know as well that the character of Eugene is only gonna get worse once they turn him heel. Yeah, and I think this is the this is the best bit. This is the best of Eugene. When you've got Eugene saying, "Are you to the crowd? Are you saying you as in Eugene or boo as in boo to people?" Because he doesn't and he's being a heel about not knowing why he's been booed. Yeah, that's when that's the worst of it. This is at least you can stomach it. Because he's he's not being portrayed as a villain. I think if you are someone who is a fan of Eugene, that character meant anything to you. 
I I can understand to some extent why that is. The reactions that we've gotten from people, you know, it's opened my eyes to be made. It's probably a lot fewer people who held them closer to their heart mm. than I probably originally thought. I would have thought it was in a 50-50 split. It's probably more like a 70-30, yeah. 80-20 split of people who think it's bullshit and people who think, oh, it's empowering or whatever. And I do think as well, a large portion of why it has existed in the internet sphere is that it's a portion and period of time of wrestling that people are interested in because it's old. Yeah. Also, Nick Dinsmore has been running the indie circuits and trying to get it online. And, you know, he's been Eugene with a capital U for many years. And he is an old school grifter wrestler. You know, he's carny as fuck. He wants to do the character and get it over. He'll never talk about it being problematic. He has, in some high profile instances, talked about, you know, the genuine good that the character did do for some people. But I think that ain't going to stand the test of time. No, no. And I think you're listening to this episode like a year in the future to when it's released. I wouldn't be surprised if Eugene was gone from the network on Peacock, for instance, and that there was a lot more of a visible or an audible, yeah, Eugene's no good anymore. We're grand, thanks. Let's leave that in 2004. Yeah, I, I very much think that there's going to be a huge chunk of Eugene gone from the network. Yeah. Because we've, we've already seen that stuff that's been wiped from Peacock is being wiped up from the UK WWE network. Yeah, so I think, you know what? You know what, Billy? It's a good thing I have a ridiculous amount of wrestling DVDs. You're yeah. right. It is good. So, yeah, maybe if we're going to do SummerSlam 04, I'm going to have to bust out the old cooler and whip out my uh, DVD I used to use as a coaster at one yeah. point uh, when I was really good at looking after all of my stuff. So, yeah, I think there was a small part of me that was open to this being, hey, I'm always very sensitive about things and I'm always on the lookout for stuff that's aged poorly. That's half of the point of this podcast. But I went into this with an open heart and an open mind and also listening to people who were messaging me, etc., and their feedback from the episodes. And I thought if there ever was a chance where Eugene could get a, no, hang on, wait, listen, 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 this would be it. This would, yeah, I, this would have been the episode, yeah, of Raw. Like, I don't want to do a how-to Eugene ever, I don't think. If, if, if that, I feel like that's oh, yeah. kind of... I, the characters are both a lot more complicated, but a lot more shallow than I realized. Yeah. And I don't think there's enough people to go to bat for him articu- with an articulate point to make that Eugene is going to stand the test of time. I think he will blow away like dust at the end of Spider-Man 3. Yeah, it, 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 the, the, the character and the gimmick's going to be lost to time eventually. Yeah eventually <laughs> with, with you know with other weird like un- unsavory in the sense of you know politically incorrect characters it's gonna it's gonna go that way i think uh, as far as eugene's concerned let's move him to the curb because i think that's where most people have had him already yeah. for most of their enjoyment of wrestling well that's gonna do it for this episode of the adachira podcast billy traveling back in time to raw with you always a fun time indeed isn't it yeah I, it's almost as like you know when people say ah, the good old days and you always think, ah, fuck the good old days. The good old days sound shit. Well, this was a good old day. You know, <laughs> it, was, it, wasn't per- it wasn't perfect. I'm not going to say it's perfect. <laughs> we, we said many times it's not perfect. Yeah, but. but is every aspect of the day on a good old day always perfect? There's some bad shits there sometimes as well. You know, you could have leg pain. It could be all sorts can happen on a good old day. Yeah. So warts and all, a good old day indeed. I think it might be fun next time to put up a bit of a poll for our Raw Revisited. If we're going to head back in time and look at more Raw, maybe featuring Eugene, maybe not featuring Eugene, but certainly featuring 
the stars of whatever the fuck you'd call this time <laughs> in wrestling. I think that might be a bad idea. They'll technically all be Billy's picks, so you can't help but win this one for definite, 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 right? I hope you're not using this to avoid the, you know, the big Billy's pick at the end of season four when we get to that. Yeah. As you know, Billy, season four has been cancelled and it will never, <laughs> ever be heard by anyone ever again. And we, we made that decision at the start. We said, you know what? The pandemic has happened Let's make sure that we don't do it out of spite, mm. you know? And for those of you who are wondering when season four is going to be picking up again, all I'll say is thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the Attitude <laughs> Podcast. And as always, if you're listening on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, make sure you leave us a little bit of an old rating or review. Make sure you follow us on the socials at a podcast and facebook.com forward slash Attitude Podcast for any and all updates as well as things like caption contests and Adam only goes and posts some bloody amazing videos from old episodes gone by. Oh boy, does he do that. And if you're a fine old fan of stuff and things like myself, Adam and Kevin, head on over to matthewsbotchamania.com. Stuff, things, luxury. Oh, I like a bit of luxury. A lux- Why not have a luxurious time over at botchamania.com? If you want to support the Attitude Era podcast, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash a podcast for as little as $5 a month. You can get access to a whole shed load of audio content, 76 episodes of the Smackdown Crawl, loads of the Bibliotech, and excited to say, if you're enjoying having Billy on this very old podcast, you've got some content up there with Adam as well recently, Bill. Yeah, we did our Chaos Comics run, looking at comics featuring The Undertaker, China, uh, The Rock, and Mankind. And uh, next up, we've only got one left for Chaos Comics, and that's Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh my God. Is it safe to say, though, that you and Adam, I think you've kind of been bit by the old comics bug, and uh, I hope to see that you will be doing more of these in the future. Yes, I think so. There's been a couple of suggestions. There is that one that I've not... It's a WCW Sting one. Yes, I've heard about that. Which does feature a a scene where Sting visits a, a, a terminally ill child and the child asks if Sting can make him better, and the nurse says no, but he can make you an honorary Stinger. Oh, oh God, that's the worst make-a-wish ever, like. God fucking damn it. I know the Ultimate Warrior has a com- comic Ooh. where similarly he visits someone, but it, it's uh, Santa Claus, and it's a bit, um, it's a little bit sexy, I think. Is, is, uh, is it, the, Well, no, maybe it's not. It's just a little bit dark-sided, I think. Is it? I, I, I've got a comic upstairs as well, which appears to be some sort of crisis on infinite earths involving all the different eras of WWE Ooh. with as high high concept as it is the the actual art is the antithesis of a high concept art style it's if you look like it's a fucking coloring book that's been done in so yeah you've got plenty to get your teeth into there and as well gamesmanship oh we've got video episodes there on the patreon as well adam and i looked at a whole bunch and adam and billy had a wee adventure as well if you like sandman and motion controls i guarantee you a funny time as little as five dollars a month you can join and drop off whenever you want two new pieces of content a month minimum and as well as that if you become a ten dollar backer this q a episode twenty dollar backers get loads of commentary tracks as well but until next time, when we're doing, I don't know, anyhow, I don't know what we'll be doing next time. I really don't know, Billy. I don't I don't think, like, you know. Do you care? Does anyone care? I, I just, know. I don't think anyone, like, no one's tweeted me. No one seems to care either way. So I'll just do whatever. Like, we'll figure it out, I guess. But until that time, whenever time that may be, it's a goodbye from me, Kevin. And me, Billy. And we'll see you next time on the Attitude Era podcast.